0: Tune in to the Neil Prendeville show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM.
1: And good morning, this is Mick Mulcahy. To the morning papers we go. Front page of the Echo. Schools hit by COVID. TDs are hitting out uh, at uh, two further cases in Cork schools and calling for more uh, stringent measures. Two further confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Cork schools have uh, been identified. Gail Scully, Rear Dawn of Ballin is the latest school to issue guidance to parents. Separately, a second case of COVID-19 was also confirmed yesterday at Coloche de Cullum in Balancholic just 24 hours after the first case was reported there. However, the Department of Public Health said the two cases of COVID-19 at the school are not linked and that transmission did not occur in the school. The two individuals acquired COVID-19 outside of the school from two different and separate sources, said Dr. Mary O'Manny, consultant in public health, in an email to parents Yesterday, But two schools hit by COVID. Stop scaremongering about schools is another headline uh, in the Echo and scaremongering. It's already a difficult enough situation for the person and their extended family, uh, said one of the uh, parents. Meanwhile, regarding the confirmed case of COVID-19 in Gail Scully-Weirden, no child has been identified as a close contact in this case either. Uh, on Sunday evening, public health officials advised parents and guardians of more than 400 children attending Skullvreed and in Rathcormach that a case of COVID-19 had been identified there as well. OK, broadband's not lagging lately. If you've uh, noticed that you've got an increase in your broadband speed, there is an explanation. Broadband usage has dipped across the country in recent weeks, quite simply because children returned to school. However, since the pandemic began, the average household's data usage has risen to over 16 gigabytes per day, the equivalent of downloading four high-definition movies daily. And according to the Ciro broadband network, the three busiest places for data, data usage were Cork, Limerick and Northwest Dublin, respectively. But if you're uh, getting better broadband and better speeds, it's because the kids are gone back to school. The Echo has taxi drivers facing enormous uncertainty during the pandemic. Sarah Horgan and Dara Birmingham reporting that a former taxi driver has described how the pandemic forced him to sacrifice his livelihood after his wife felt uh, felt ill. Uh, felt ill, I beg your pardon. Uh, Tom O'Connell, who was originally from Crosshaven and now lives in the Glen, spoke of how he had to give up his pride and joy, his taxi, to protect his family. The decision came after his wife contracted pneumonia, which left her medically vulnerable. Tom said a number of taxi drivers remain in a similar position and are now saddled with staggeringly expensive insurance costs after switching to private vehicles. My wife was in hospital. It was just too dangerous, he said of his decision to quit the industry. It, COVID-19, would have killed the two of us. To have kept working with that risk would have been an awful Thing And that's uh, page three of uh, this evening's Echo. Now, the examiner has the Japanese knotweed eradication program, which you've heard Lana talk about in the news, would be suspended uh, if major cuts to plug the four million euro gap are, uh, caused by COVID in Cork uh, are tried to be eradicated. So the Japanese knotweed program could be suspended. There'd be no funding for dog fouling awareness. Three pruning services would be slashed by 50%. A possible 85000 cut to a security budget could lead to an increase in antisocial behaviour in public parks and may lead to some parks being temporarily closed or opening hours being restricted. And independent councillor, Ken O'Flynn, said the scale of the financial challenge is stark and that he uh, called on central government to provide emergency funding. Cork City councillors considering major cuts to plug the €4 million euro gap. It's caused by COVID, but cuts to the abandoned car service. Could see it run out of money. There'd be no upgrade of ICT systems to uh, deliver an enhanced parking phone system. Uh, Proposed €10,000 cut in the uh, civic amenity budget. Could see some services including the collection of paint, solvents and dangerous substances. And a uh, €38,000 proposed cut from a street cleaning budget may also come into play. It's not locking good is the headline in uh, the Sun Today front page. Dublin is on the verge of a Level 3 lockdown as the virus continued to surge yesterday. The government is ready to tighten restrictions in the capital, uh, which accounted for 136 of the 254 new cases. There were also three deaths. Now, Professor Philip Nolan said of the COVID spikes, I'm more concerned than I've been at any point since April. Uh, and home battle, uh, Home's battle cluster is an internal headline in The Sun as well, Adam Higgins reporting that the latest report from the Health Protection Surveillance Centre shows private households continue to be the biggest sector for outbreaks in Ireland. 61 more clusters were detected in homes last week, bringing the total number of outbreaks in households since the pandemic began up to 2,077. COVID-19 is everywhere. In the papers today, uh, the mail front page uh, fully covers it as well. COVID-19 crisis spreads, concern of a rising number of cases in three more counties. The fight against COVID-19 has deteriorated nationally and the virus threatens to surge across the country. The acting chief medical officer has said, Dr. Ronan Glynn's warning comes amid government turmoil over a just-released letter which shows how the Cabinet didn't act on alarming warnings from the National Public Health Emergency Team last Friday. The government's health experts had told ministers Dublin could reach 300 cases a day if they didn't act, but nothing was done at the time. Meanwhile, government health chiefs last night laid bare the worrying escalation of the disease in a number of counties other than Dublin. Dr Glyn warned of particularly concerning trends in counties Louth, Waterford and Donegal. Check it out on the front page of the Mail. The Irish Independence front page has uh, Dublin to be cut off from the rest of the country for the next three weeks. Louth, Waterford and Donegal also seeing concerning trends. Dublin is facing three weeks of new COVID-19 restrictions which will cut off the capital from the rest of the country. The National Public Health Emergency Team, Neffit is expected to recommend enforcing strict Level 3 restrictions across the entire county of Dublin which will cause further economic damage to the country's economy. Well, if that was the kind of recommendation on Friday, why didn't they act on it on Tuesday and leave it within the uh, the levels rather than the farcical uh, level two and a bit or two and a half or two point something uh, that we seem to have got? Brexit fears for economy are hit by COVID. So it's Brexit and COVID now coming into play. Multiple sectors at risk. The impact of a hard Brexit on an economy already struggling with COVID-19 could be much worse than previously predicted Research has found research released by the ESRI and the Department of Finance found that while the potential economic impacts of Brexit have been overshadowed by the COVID-19 crisis, adding a hard Brexit on a fragile economy could make the previously estimated effects of Brexit worse. To the examiner we go, and modern meets medieval in 30 million euro brewery site overhaul. Catherine Shannon reporting that Cork City's medieval core will gain a new 7,000 square foot public plaza, 70,000 square feet of best-in-class office space and a cultural cor- corridor and the reinstatement of two medieval laneways as par- part of a massive €30 million Euro development project due for completion in November. Uh, when the €30 million development in Cork South Main Street will be unveiled, the 102-year-old Beamish and Crawford Counting House, one of the protected structures on the site dating to the 18th century, will be framed by a modern office building and flanked by Lamley's Lane, one of the medieval streets of Cork, which is about to be reinstated. A couple more past pupils back at school. Thirty years after the All Ireland double, says the Echo. Uh, seven million to uh, to revamp. Uh, Cork is set to uh, receive over seven million in funding for the ref- refurbishment of void social housing units from the Department of Housing, Local Government and Heritage. And a little clip from the mirror. First, second, even third. Noel. In Noel in 2020, families will shun uh, big Christmas gatherings for a series of smaller feasts this year, says a study. It's September and we're talking about Christmas, I know. Coronavirus restrictions mean that more than a quarter of us plan to host several Christmas dinners for friends and family. A Trends report from Marks and Spencer said, we will entertain in smaller groups. We'll be looking for easy meals, alternative turkey inspiration and plenty of showstoppers. A third of us are already looking forward to festive food, and more than half want to make up for the fun missed this year. Stuart Matchin of MS said, It's been a tough year, but we look forward to bringing some MS magic this Christmas. 16 minutes after nine.
0: The Neil Prendiville Show.
2: With Tesco, save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie.
1: And from The Neil Prendiville Show, a big happy 50th birthday to the one and only Malcolm Stokes, one of the most likeable postmen in Cork. He and his twin sister Michelle. Are celebrating their golden birthday today, the Big Five O. So happy birthday to you both, guys! One of the most likable postmen in Cork. Happy birthday to your sister and to yourself, Malcolm Stokes, on the Big Five O today. Now, as I mentioned yesterday, and when we were talking to the uh, the taxi industry, which has been decimated, of course, by restrictions by COVID nineteen and all the rest, we mentioned that it is live entertainment and event industry National Awareness Week. And to talk about that, on line one is Rosario Buckley. Good morning, Rosario. Hello. Hello. Hi, how Hello. are you?
3: Not too bad at all, thank you.
1: Good. Now, you're a publicist and music promoter. Uh, the industry itself has had no support whatsoever and no mention on any roadmap, which is kind of the last draw for many. One of the front pages of the Morning Papers has uh, nothing. Carter, Nathan Carter uh, complaining. He said to cancel 100 gigs and he didn't make a cent in six months. I'd say he's complaining, though, from a position of relative security. Would you?
3: It probably is because, you see, he would have been... That's the one fault I have. Now, it's great to see that they're bringing attention to it and it's great to see the likes of Mary Coughlin, Lisa McHugh, they're all getting on the national radios. But the, the session musicians and the traditional musicians, they don't get an ear. And they're the ones who are suffering the most. Now, I'm I'm sure it's very difficult for the likes of Nathan Carter because I know he has to support a big band. He, he has crew. He has a big crew, obviously, and all those musicians have a big crew. But... I, they would have earned money previously to this. I presume he's not worrying about, you know, paying where the next pay- paycheck is going to come from. I presume the likes so. of But what I suppose I'm talking about is really where I, my idea is coming from is the session musicians, the people who play in the pubs, the people who play for the small groups, the people who go to the Willie Clancy weekend and play, or the people who play down in belly de for their music and festival every week, every year, and the people who play for the flag. They have no ear. Now the National Radio has given them no ear and I was very glad to get the phone call from your producer yesterday asking me would I come on the ear about this because we really need something to be done about this and the publicans and the musicians need to be working together. Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, as as good as it is for tourists to see and for people who live here... Uh, to go and see some traditional music, some live acoustic music, some rock music, some punk music, whatever it is, right across the genre. Of course, when the taxi drivers pull and they go on a national strike, there is an impact. When there's no okay. musicians, you can still sit down and have your pint. Uh but I think it's a, it's an integral part of the fabric of reestablishing tourism and reestablishing any sort of trade in what they're calling the wet pubs that perhaps okay. musicians even in an acoustic sense because you're supposed to turn the telly down for God's sake but even in an acoustic sense, could begin to reintegrate into the venues in which they enjoyed a little bit of a living prior to COVID-19.
3: Yeah, but you see, to do that, there'll have to be a change in the legislation, because the traditional pubs, a lot of them, if they're going to be adhering to the rules that are there now. I think we all understand that certain rules have to be there and health is most important. Everybody knows that. The publicans know that. The musicians know that. But because of the size of the pubs that are there and the limits on the hours and the restrictions that are there, the publicans will and rightly say they can't afford to pay musicians with the restrictions that are there at the moment on how many they'll be able to have in, the, in those kind of settings and in the limits of closing at 11.30 at night. Like they won't be able to afford it and I can understand that. So what I would like to see, Project Project Act, as you know, was brought in by the councils. Cork Council did a very good job in that this year and they catered. They had, they had meetings around the county. They had them in Mallow. They had them in Buttevant and all the places around North and West Cork and they brought in legislation where... Street areas could be paved off and blocked off and used for restaurants. I think something like that needs to be used for the pubs where they can have covered areas extended onto the bars, because it's the only way that they're going to be able to afford to have the sessions that they had and afford to pay afford to pay the musicians as well. Because with the legislations that they're now, they just won't be able to.
1: Yeah, there might be some recourse for for musicians who can make their living acoustically, but for those who need the big fallback and the the PA system and. Uh, you know the 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 bass, uh, the speaker. You know, have everything mic'd up. Uh, the big wedding or occasion band, they're they're going to be another while before they can even think of making oh, money.
3: I was talking to one musician yesterday, Johnny. He's known as Johnny Bongo and he's in Mallow He would have done an awful lot of work. He just tried for Trokra. He would hit there playing tomorrow night for outdoors uh, to a small gathering for uh, culture night. But he said that he can't see himself back until two thousand and twenty-two. And he's only one of many. Twenty two. Two thousand and twenty two. Wow. The way things are at That's what he says now and he knows a lot about music. Okay. And I have and I spoke to Sean Murphy. He's involved in Celtic steps back in He's base he's originally from um Abbey Field. But they put on a big show every year in Tralee. and they put on one in Killarney. Now they get no they've got no helped at all. They haven't even been mentioned and he has 50 people on his books now. That includes back people, it includes singers, it includes um, lighting and it includes musicians. And they would have had a lot of students working during the summer and that money then would by the students would earn would have paid for their college. So, it, you know, it's offset all those other things that are just offset by the musicians not being able to play.
1: Mm-hmm. And I suppose the catch-22 is uh, if you have a bar that's large enough to accommodate two meter spacing re- between the tables, and you can have your collection of six, I think. Uh, and you can stay and have your pints from next Monday without the nine euro COVID killer meal. Uh, and and on you can go. You can stay longer than 105 minutes. But then, of course, are, are you making enough of a profit for the bar to put a socially distanced band up in the corner? Probably not.
3: Probably not. And that's what, need, you see, there's, what needs to be done is they need to talk to these musicians and they need to talk to the publicans that host these musicians. And at the same time, And the council need to be, and I say the county councils because they know those venues the best. They need to be talking to them and they need to be saying, how can the two groups work together? What can we do to help you? What financial benefit would you need to make this work, to make this work? And a lot of the traditional musicians and the, I say traditional musicians and all the other musicians as well, a lot of them are music teachers. Now, what hasn't been mentioned only it would have been said to me directly by music teachers they can't teach wind instruments now going to the schools they can't teach them they can't teach singing so they have to work online and they have got no no help at all on this as regarding broadband like broadband in a lot of those areas is very bad i don't know whether you remember neil neil had somebody on earlier this year These were people who would be office workers, say now, and they were working from home. They had to go into a car park. I think it was in Bandon, if I'm correct. And they were working in the car park. I think it was Bandon, maybe maybe it was some one of those towns in West Cork. And immediately there was attention brought to it and the broadband was fixed up. Whereas if you're a music teacher, you can't go into a car park and teach from your car. It just doesn't work. It's not practical. So they have had nothing said to them about that. Now, Zoom they teach online, they teach through Zoom, but they've been given no help as regarding broadband upgrade in the areas that are bad.
1: And and are these type of casual musicians, be they music teachers or not, uh, are are they regarded as members of the arts? Because the arts has got some certain supports from the government.
3: The arts have got, there was 7 million announced for the arts there some time ago. As far as I'm concerned, now I I know from speaking to these musicians, not one of them have benefited from any money from the arts except that you're very well-known. You might be like James Satira, you might be the Cork Opera House there, hopefully the Cork Opera House. the theatres, the, the tree arena. That's what I can see what they're talking about, the arts and classical music and river dance, all those kind of kind of groups, groups similar to River Dance. They seem to benefit, but nobody is talking to these musicians. They're being given no voice.
1: So it's and art galleries are- and theatres and large venues that have incumbent staff that are, that are benefiting the, from the six or seven million put aside.
3: That's the money. That's that. That's the feedback that I'm getting anyway. Certainly, that's the feedback that's been given to me. And I just find it. I find it. We have three ministers in Cork, based in Cork City, and Cork, Cork, Kerry, all up the, all up the Wild Atlantic Way, would be very, very well known for its music, hosting its music, hosting music festivals, music being part of the tourism of those areas. Not one of them. Michal Martin has stood up uh, every, how many times since he, made, since he was made Taoiseach, he has given press conferences Cleo Radker is there uh, Michael McGrath is above in Cork Simon Coveney is in Cork not one of them has mentioned it and now Cork, Cork and music are like the two go together even things like the jazz Festival, the choral festival the folk festivals that have been held not one of them has mentioned the musicians and since last March a lot of these musicians, I'd say 95% of them, have been putting music online all the time, free for people's benefit.
1: Free or with Pantheon so, to try and raise a couple of quid for themselves. I mean, or, or, or for charitable I mean, endeavours, I mean. by the way. Yeah, lots of people like do it for Marymount and other charities.
3: They do, they do. And even, like I would do a lot of work now with Alan Finn. He's the leader of the Chantram Cayley Band. And he had an opportunity during this time to bring out a, d- to bring out a DVD. And immediately... Because his grand, his grandmother had passed away, there and he, this week in particular, now of course it's palliative care week. He said that he wanted to give all the money to Marymount, even though he, like all musicians, I mean, he didn't have to. It was a strange time for all of them, you know, and it was a, a harrowing time for all of them. But he still, not he was one of many, you know. They've all, they've all done all this char- charitable work, put stuff online, made DVDs for charity when they had the opportunity. And didn't make any money. And they don't pay PayPal. Most of them don't PayPal at all,
1: you know? Yeah, of course they don't. It's their option they to watch do. for free. Now, you can drive into driving bingo. You can drive into driving movies as we as we stand. But the government hasn't legislated for driving music festivals.
3: No. And there was a number of. I know a number of the musicians. I think Tommy Fleming now was one. A number of them. They had them organised before. They oh, yeah,
1: Gavin realized. James was coming to one in Cork.
3: Gavin James had, yeah. And he had all the organisation done before he realised that there was no legislation. Now, I cannot understand. You can have a drive-in bingo, you're sitting in your car, you're playing your bingo. You can go to a movie and you can watch the movie from from afar. Why you can't have a drive-in concert where a band is socially distanced, they can listen to their music and sit in the car and enjoy it. I don't understand what it is and mm-hmm. what the reason for that is and why nobody is listening to the musicians, nobody is sitting down with them. Nobody's phoning up, phoning them up, and it's not only about COVID payments. It's not only about finance. Finance. It's about the psychological effect of your life livelihood completely wiped out.
1: Exactly. I was at a very successful gig uh, at the, out the back of the uh, the Doolin Hotel in County Clare recently, uh, and you could get in uh, as long as you had your receipt from from, from dinner in the bar, or the restaurant, or you ordered food in there. Uh, if you had the receipt, you were left into a non-food. Uh, area table because you'd just eaten uh, and there was a gig on for maybe 90 minutes, for, uh, maybe maybe the full 105 I don't know. Uh, very socially distanced, very outdoor, under canvas. Uh, there were kind of sails that were cr- crisscrossing each other overhead because it was raining heavily. But really, really successful and very well organised and it's just that every venue can't do that. You
4: see
3: that's, it. that's why they need to be spoken to and that's why they need finance. They need, the pubs. The pubs. It's not the pubs' fault that they can't host the music the music sessions. They just find it's not financially viable for them to do it. It's okay. just not financially viable for them to do it. So what I'm asking is, I'm asking Cork County Council to come up with some idea like Project Act that will work for the pubs and the musicians. And I want them to sit down with the musicians and talk to them, and not not only leave it to Catherine Martin. It has to be local because a lot of these venues. They're not big venues like the Opera House, they're not big venues like the Three Arena, they're not big venues like the theatre. They're local venues, as I say, like in Butterfund, Mallow, Ballyde Hob, uh, down in in East Cork, you have places in Ballycotton, all those places. They're all known by the county councillors and the council, and they're the people that need to be acting on this.
1: Okay, got to move on. Rosario Buckley, thank you very much. Jamie Stanton is waiting, and I'll be thank with Jamie right. in a moment. Thank you very much, Rosario.
0: Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red
1: FM. And a very good morning. Jamie Stanton is online too. Thanks for holding, Jamie. How are you? Hi, Nick. How are you? How's it going? I'm good. Now, musicians fret over COVID, COVID impact on it. Was that your headline? It's very clever.
5: Uh, No, it actually
1: wasn't. (laughs) The fret, of course, is a part of the guitar. Okay. Uh, You you must feel that, you know, even if the pubs would feel that they were the last to be thought of, or, you know, they were pushed back and pushed back and pushed back, that you must really feel like the pubs' poor relation because there's no uh, space for you. There's no thought for you. There's no roadmap for you. There's no plan for you guys, the live musicians, in anything the government's releasing.
5: Yeah, that's right. I mean, like, one kind of. Focal point that I always uh, looked at was if the pubs weren't looked after, we certainly weren't going to be because the pubs do need to start generating the kitty before they pay out musicians again and can afford music. You know, yeah. so that was one big worry for like the music, the musical group in Cork as a collective. Guys, look if the pubs aren't being you know looked after by the government, we not. It, it mightn't be feasible to carry on doing what we're doing, which is kind of slightly uncomfortable and scary. But there's a kind of an optimistic. Uh, approach around at the moment and obviously throughout lockdown people kind of started moving online um, and started you know exploring different avenues to see how we could generate an income from music and you know it, it, it's, it's starting to work out for some people and an will sure so that was maybe something I always thought the government could step in and, and maybe with their funding advocates, maybe consultancy towards online sales and just get some people up and running with distribution and stuff like that you know it would be a massive uh, It's a
1: very uh, bad line there Jimmy. could you move around slightly? Sorry I mean, yeah, I'll move around there. Into a better area if you can, yeah, yeah. yeah that's Near that's that's, that's yeah. clear Stay where you are there. Um, so, are, are you adaptable in that you can play solo, you can play maybe uh, as a duo, as a trio, as part of a band? You know, yeah.
5: So, so I I do a lot of session work um, on both on guitar on drums. I kind of fall in and out on anybody who who, who kind of needed need me really. would be kind of, but at the same time, you know, the, the bands aren't active enough at the moment. No to you know, have the layout in order to be able to fall in with everybody here and there, you know. So it is a bit of a yeah. worry, but
1: we're, we're working on it, you know. And as a professional musician, uh, were, were, were many of them, would you think, were they in the zone to get the 350 COVID payment?
5: Um, a lot a lot of people were and a lot weren't. Um, you see, a lot, a lot of musicians would work part-time or work full-time and just do a couple of gigs on the weekends. And it would kind of be a rarity to, to bump into a guy who's solely doing a full-time uh, there would be a lot of musicians around as well who might only do one or two gigs a week and that suits them fine because they're single but when you're married and you have kids and you have a house and a car you've you got to put your foot down and work as much as you can, you know?
1: Yeah. Okay, so uh, the five-level alert system published on Tuesday night uh, absolutely did not include anything to do with live music so there's, the roadmap's not very clear. The money that was given to the live music and entertainment industry seemed principally to go to the arts and to venues.
5: Yes, that's right. And usually when the government do allocate money to arts, it does go to venues like galleries, theatres, as, as you touched on earlier on. But it doesn't actually take into consideration as well the workforce. Like when you see a band on stage, you know, any venue, big or small, chances are there's a crew of 10 to 15 people minimum behind that, you know. And it's, it's really the crew and the workforce, the riggers, the electricians, the sound engineers, lighting engineers, all those people have been completely kind of left whipped, you know. So yeah. there, there does need to be a massive foot down and, and start looking after the workforce as well on behalf of the government, because unfortunately, the funding doesn't reach the intended areas most of the time, you know.
1: Unfortunately, with the way things are, are going now and with, with the resurgence of the virus in many counties, uh, I'd say you're way down the pecking order when it comes to, uh, you know, having live concerts, outdoor concerts, even uh, coming back at all.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as as you touched on earlier on, the the drive-in concerts were shut down so many times and Gavin James is a massive advocate for that, so hopefully we can reach legislation, you know, coming to drive-in bingo and et cetera, where people can just set up out of stage in a safe area and maybe a COVID officer could sign off and everything everybody needs to do in order to keep things safe and people could get out and just start enjoying music again, you know?
1: Yeah, but testament to the big heart of the likes of yourself and Paul Hannan and many, many more musicians around the county that... You know, even though you weren't making any money, uh, you started doing gigs online and then opening up the Panty and things and, and GoFundMe and PayPal and, made, you know, some for themselves, uh, but like you yeah. guys, mostly for good good causes.
5: Yeah, it's going to have to start of the pandemic. We just decided, look, we're going to go for it and, and, and go online and see how we get on. And we, we noticed that we quite have quite an amount of viewers tuning in every Sunday so we decided to allocate time slots on the Sunday everybody take an hour or two hours and we'd fill the day with music and it was just great as well to give back to the community because you know obviously the music and live events is down the pecking order but we were kind of talking collectively and we decided there are a lot of charitable organisations out there who are in far worse situations at the moment so we decided to kind of prioritise any funds allocated to them you know
1: Okay so diversification is the name of the game if you can uh, and that's kind of your plan isn't it? Sorry, I couldn't get you there, Mick. Diversification, you're going to go into a new area. Yes, I am. Um, myself and my brother and I
5: are taking on a bar. We should be open in about three or four weeks. So um, I, I just thought this is a good time for the majority of people who are self-employed because everybody's going to start from the bottom. Up, so I just decided it was time to try new things and just stick my toe in the water and see how you get on, you know. So that's gonna—that's the plan for the next month anyway.
1: And where will people find you? you TV star you in your new bar? Uh,
5: Oh, we'll be—we're taking over the paddocks, the Cove Pirates Rugby Club, the bar up above. So we should be open in about three or four weeks. I'll go into planning. Well, that's again, a fine big space. Will you, you know,
1: be able to afford musicians? Or will you do it yourself?
5: Uh, we, we hope so. We hope so. Um, I, I probably won't be playing there myself. I don't know if you've ever heard us saying not to spook your own haunt, but um, <laughs> we, will, we, we We hope to have um, a band maybe towards the end of October or going into November just to kind of get a bit of an atmosphere going and try to show people some kind of taste of normality of what we have. But just to do it in a safe
1: and compliant way
5: is, is our priority, really.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm aware of, of the honky-tonks in Nashville. I don't know if you've ever been on the strip in Nashville. Uh, there are there are bands that play 4 hour sets and they'll finish up at about 5 to 5 minutes before the end of the 4 hour set and 5 minutes after the 4 hour set they're in a different bar a 100 yards down the road they're all set up this half an hour setup doesn't happen in Nashville uh and they completely live on the generosity of the punters maybe that's a way that bars could now all socially distance restrictions uh, adhere to and respected maybe if you got a a single guy or a, or a two piece in Uh, And let all your customers know, um, I can't afford to pay them. They're working for what you give them. Uh, Yeah. And and, and, and maybe put the tip jar out there as it's kind of a moral, it's a moral obligation to give them something. Whatever you can afford. We're not asking for a fiver, but if you've got a euro, give them a euro. Maybe a way they could make a living. Yeah, I mean that, that that constantly
5: talk about you know, and especially online as well with the with the PayPal tip jars, people have been tipping away with that. But like, it, it's not really in our culture. I find from like when 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 I used to gig abroad a lot, like tips are it's in the culture for people to tip generously if you can play a song of their choice. But it doesn't seem to be in the culture over here. So. It is an idea to explore, but we would have to look at the footings to try to reinforce it in a kind of a moral manner, you know? No. Yeah, it could be a complicated thing, but it might not be at the end of the day.
1: Well, at least it would be from a cost-neutral perspective. They'd volunteer. It wouldn't cost you. Uh, and then, hopefully, if they're good enough, they bring a crowd to you and the crowd supports them.
5: Yeah, I mean, idea. I mean, it's definitely an avenue worth exploring, as I said, but the last thing I would want to do is to book somebody and then somebody goes home at the end of the night with with uh, the money to do the gig <laughs> yeah, at the
1: end, you know? So. I know, I understand. So, are you aware of musicians who are in big trouble now with uh, mortgages and maybe who didn't get COVID payment oh, yeah. or the lower COVID payment? Yeah, like,
5: I would consider myself, although I've been decimated, I would consider myself one of the lucky ones because I work with a lot of people and I write with a lot of people and play a lot of people and they are just in dire straits, you know, Um like, if I was to urge governmental kind of interference, I would start, you know, kind of prodding at them to start liaison with banks and, you know, anybody, like uh, loans, etc. I mean, uh, one thing as well that hasn't been discussed about enough, is, and it's been very uh, pliable to musicians is that, out of that pandemic payments, a lot of us have still have to keep paying our overheads, like many self-employed people in other areas of work as well, you know. Well, you but have gear
1: still, on lease and all that kind of thing as well. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a good yeah, phrase I mean, you just coined there, by the way, yeah. Jamie. Government interference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's
5: it. They are going to... Have, they, they can't, you know, they do have to interfere, basically. But, yeah, so a lot of people are still pin overheads. I mean, we have thousands upon thousands euro worth of euro work to gear and if you leave it sitting there for too long, it's 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 kaput, you know. Mm-hmm. So we have to make sure everything is ready to go and keep it maintained and, and uh, main, like, just to make sure it's ready to rock when when we get the thumbs up and we're, when we're going to go for it again, you know.
1: Yeah, well, so, some of the places you play are quite small pubs and, and they've got their own systems now they're going to have to start uh, adhering to with... Perspects and distancing and timing and contact tracing, taking numbers, booking tables. When do you see them being able to take a musician that they can pay? Um,
5: I I suppose, like, from from speaking to other venue owners and dealing with different venues, I think it's going to be different for everybody, you know, because every venue would have its own kind of different financial plan for the year set out. And obviously that's been completely you know, exploded from March onwards. But I I, I would like to, I would assume a lot of city bars would start getting musicians in maybe come the end of November, coming into Christmas time on a more regular basis, you know. Um, Some places already have maybe booked a musician within the last week or two just to dip their toe in the water, obviously, food serving clubs, mm-hmm. but, um, And and it has worked out for them and it has been safe and has been green-lighted. So hopefully we can abbreviate further on that and just move forward and, and hopefully things pick up, you know.
1: Yeah, a couple of shows coming up. The group Sparkle are advising they'll be playing in Dwars on Friday, October 2nd. Surely other musicians and DJs should start getting booked for pub entertainment. Hi, Mick. Wyvern Lingo are playing socially distant shows at the end of October in Connolly's of Lep and the Kino by selling tables of 2, 4 and 6 and providing table service. That's kind of like they do at the at, at the ground floor of... Um, what's that big venue in Dublin where you, where you sit down around the tables? Uh, Vicker Street. Uh, Vicar it Street. is. It is possible for gigs to happen again. Venues just need to work together with musicians. People are desperate for live music. Tickets will fly out the door, says Laura. There are venues that would suit that sort of thing, actually. Well, Dolan's Warehouse in Limerick would suit it. Uh, yeah, it would. So, yeah, So maybe book a venue, if, if you're a musician. Advertise your wares and organise table service could be another angle.
5: Yeah, but, that's it. I mean, effectively, the musician is operating as a promoter, then, and we have to bear in mind that we need promoters also, when we do get up and going. So, you know, I think there is a, there probably is a red line there on treading on other kind of professions within the music industry. We don't want to tread on their toes too much, you know. So, um. Yeah, so I, 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 there are plenty of places in Cork that you could do a socially distanced gig, and they don't necessarily need to be um, they need to be like established venues either. Like, and they can be fully price. compliant.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Jamie, I got yeah. to leave it there. I've got Mick Barry holding no on money. the other line. Thank, thanks no very money. much. Uh, I'll be back to Mick Barry in a moment. Thanks to Jamie Stanton. Sixteen minutes to ten.
0: The Neil Prendeville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM.
1: Call the show, 1850 104 You can text to WhatsApp 0868 104 or email neil at redfm.ie. Thanks for holding, Mick. Barry, TG, good morning. Good morning to you, Mick. Now, today's the day the government will slash pay rates for people in receipt of the 350 euro pandemic unemployment payment. Uh, that payment will be cut to 300 a week.
6: It'll be cut to 300 a week for some, but it'll be cut to 250 a week for others. So, okay. At the moment, uh, if you get the pandemic unemployment payment, there's two rates. There's a 350 rate and there's a 203 rate.
7: Right? Uh-huh.
6: If you're if you're on the 350 rate, you're now going to be cut. You'll be cut by 50 euro. If you if you used to earn more than 300 before the pandemic kicked in,
1: that's everybody,
6: you, is it? Uh, no, you'll you'll be cut down to uh, everyone who earned more than 300 before the pandemic. Will now be cut from three hundred and fifty down to three hundred. They'll be they'll lose fifty euro. Yeah, okay. And everyone who was uh, earning between two hundred and three hundred before the pandemic will be cut down from today to two hundred and fifty euro. In other words, they'll lose a hundred euro a week. All right. So this isn't a it isn't a small little adjustment. This is a, a massive cutback. They're really slashing people's incomes here. You know, um. And to be clear, what we're talking about here is people who can't go back to work. I mean, the virus is on the rise again now. Um, Probably um, a disproportionate number of young people, a disproportionate number of people who are in precarious jobs, Mm -hmm. who've been relying on this money to to make the rent and to put food on the table.
1: It it may not be as unfair as, as you're saying there, Mick, because if you earned between 200 and 300 per week before... Uh, and you were on 350, you're still going to get 250. So in in that sense, that element seems okay. But you could have been earning 700 a week before. You're getting 350, you're now being cut to 300 anyway.
6: Yeah, if you were on 700 a week before the pandemic kicked in, you've been trying to get by on the 350 for the last whole number of months. You've just about been keeping your head above the water, keeping the wolf from the door, food on the table, and now the government are going to cut you by 50 euro. Uh, as and from today, where's the fairness in that?
1: Where's the money going to come from? To keep it going?
6: Yeah, okay, it's a a good question. Um, This is a very expensive business, no doubt about it. Um, The only way that I can see that you're going to be able to sustain it uh, if the virus takes off again uh, is by putting the issue of wealth taxes on the agenda. I mean, the Sunday Times, they do a, a rich list. You know that rich list they mm-hmm. do once a year?
0: Yep.
6: Uh, they reckon that the, what is it, the 10 richest people in our society have 50 billion euro between them, right? Government had a chance to go after 14 billion with Apple. They wouldn't have got their hands in it straight away, but they could have got the ball rolling. They turned their back on it and said, no, we're not interested. I mean, you, you can't, you, you need to keep up payments like this in order to stop people being push below the waves. But you can't keep it up as a society unless you're prepared to put the idea of wealth taxes on the agenda. And there needs to be a real discussion and debate about that now.
1: Okay, just a a slight aside, uh, Mick, there's been a crash coming into Bandon on uh, Ballina D side. The Gardaí are at the scene. A diversion is in place. Avoid the area if possible. That's a crash coming into Bandon on the Ballina D side. And Gardaí are there and asking uh, that you uh, appreciate that there's a diversion you must take, but avoid the area if at all yeah you can now 210,000 people make to get back to you are on this or uh, on some form of pandemic unemployment payment so essentially for every fiver uh, that these people get it's a million so for you know for every 100 euros they get it's 20 million for every 200 they get that's 40 million for every 300 60 million a week where's the government going to come up with this money i just told you tax the wealthy yeah, precisely that. Is there any... With Fine Gael, Fianna and the Greens, do you see any eagerness to do that?
6: Uh, Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and the Greens have no intention of doing that, uh, which is precisely the reason why we need to build a movement in society which puts the government under massive pressure on these issues i mean th- there's three ways of doing this number one is the people who are on payments like this um get pushed below the waves and driven into absolute poverty that's one option not an option i'm prepared to support the other option is that you know the the payments keep piling up and piling up and working people end up uh paying for it through big tax increases or cutbacks and services i'm not super- prepared to support that and the only other alternative is to say, OK, a combination of borrowing on the one hand and uh, serious wealth taxes uh, on the people who have that wealth and who can't afford to pay. That's a debate that needs to be had now.
1: Yeah, but the EU themselves and this this agreement, an EU agreement was held by the Taoiseach, Uh, they settled on a 1.82 trillion budget and coronavirus recovery fund. Are we not dipping into that?
6: Yeah, um, uh, we are. So the government is probably uh, kicking the can down the road a bit here, uh, saying, okay, for the next year, for the next two years, there's going to be a lot of borrowing. The figure of $30 billion is being mentioned this year. But when you come to the fork in the road in 18 months or two years' time, and hopefully we'll have uh, a vaccine and have turned things around at that point, there's going to be a huge issue in our society, and, and that is who pays for this. And, and that is why, you know, people who are involved in the workers movement people who campaign for social justice need to get really organized now uh, and build uh, um and prepare the ground for building a strong movement to say look working people paid for the banking crisis 10 years ago we're not going to pay for this one already they're attempting to make working people pay for this one just look at what's happening with the devon workers What is it today? 161, the same as Vita Cortex, yeah?
5: It's either
1: today or tomorrow they'll break the Vita Cortex record.
6: Yeah, they equal it today uh, and they break it tomorrow. Um, uh, And I mean, those workers, those women are just an inspiration in what they've done. Um, A victory for them is a victory for workers everywhere. But why are the union leaders allowing this dispute to drag on and on? They should be taking the gloves off, squaring up to the government and say, settle this, or we're, we're, we're going to put you under fierce and enormous pressure.
1: Yeah, and well, we must be one of the most indebted nations in Europe, if not in the world, Mick. I mean, 10 years ago, we were saddled with 40% of the EU's bank debt. And and now it looks as though we've got 1.5 billion from Europe to give back 16 billion.
6: Yeah, there's there's, there's huge borrowing going on there. Of course, y- you can borrow quite cheaply at, at, at the moment. I mean, it's, it's less than 1%. Yes, but but, but if, if you're
1: not going to tax the wealth, uh, the wealthy to repay it or, or repay an element of it, then you're going to depend on taxations from the working class ultimately.
6: Yeah, yeah. Well, you've absolutely nailed it there, uh, Mick. What you've said is is 100 true. Someone is going to have to pay for this, uh, and that's basically the the choice. Is it the wealthy? Is it the ri- the rich who can afford to do it, or is it the working class not going to be the working class this time? We 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 carried the can ten years ago. And people are not going to stand for being asked to carry the can by this time around. And Mihal Martin, by the way, the Taoiseach, whose party enjoys the support now of just one voter in 10, would want to understand that. If he keeps going down the road that he's going by cutting these pandemic unemployment pay- payments, what you're looking is his party being driven onto the rocks. It'll be the end of Fianna
1: Fáil. Mm. Yeah, because it seems to me that instead of getting a bailout from Brussels, we're going to be paying for the powerhouse economies of Spain and Italy, for, uh, for instance, to recover from their economic fallout of the coronavirus. But that's a different matter. Uh, some texts, some various texts have come in already during our conversation, Mick. Uh, hi, Mick, can you ask, uh, sorry, can you thank Mick Barry for helping the taxi industry yesterday? I'm an out-of-work taxi driver now. I'm 300 a week for my wife and myself, says Anthony. Uh, were you involved in the taxi demonstration, Mick? Did you show your support? Uh, supported
6: it uh, in the doll yesterday. Yeah, okay, absolutely. That's um, what that's about. Just a, a, a thing about that is that you know, that was certainly the biggest taxi protest uh, of the 21st century in this country. Probably the biggest taxi protest in the history of the state. The taxis were forming up outside the gates of the Phoenix Park in Cunningham Road. Uh, and the queues were going back into Chapel Izzet and all the way out to Valley Farmers. I mean there could have been five thousand cabs or more involved in that protest. Did you see anything about it on the RTE news? I,
1: I, I saw lots. I, I saw lots about it uh, in in small little clips, but I, I saw no concerted coverage.
6: Yeah, it's it, it's unreal. And you know, uh, sections of the media, uh, and I think RTE in particular, uh, at the time of the, the big austerity ten or twelve years ago, really downplayed and tried to write out of the picture. Protests by working class people standing up for their uh, rights and saying we 're not going to pay for this crisis in particular, you saw that with the water charges campaign and the media treatment or the, the, the treatment by sections of the media of that and are, are we seeing the same thing again now with the um, the lack of coverage by RTE I think of the Debenhams dispute uh, and the uh, uh, treatment by RTE to the uh, uh, taxi protest. Uh, the other night um, to, be, to be fair
1: the, the only place I've seen I've seen a little bit of the Debenhams dispute Dublin centred on Orchie but the most of it I've seen on Virgin Media with Paul Byrne
6: yeah Paul Byrne gave very good coverage to uh, the sit-in last week uh, in the Patrick Street uh, uh, store yeah uh, no, no question about that
1: make one final question what about the students earning 100 a week getting 350 COVID payment it's crazy Sorry, run that by me again there, Mick. Uh, I'm going to have to leave it. I have to go to news, but just so we'll leave it hang there as a rhetorical question. There are students uh, on 100 a week normally working in bars, whatever, getting 350 a week for the summer. It's crazy. I haven't realised no, no, the time... No,
6: no, 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 they're not, Mick. That, that's not correct. That's not correct. I just have to... Mick, can, can I, can I come
1: back to you after news at 10? We'll, we'll talk again then, OK? Thank you. The Neil Prenderville Show.
2: With Tesco, save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie.
1: And we're back with Mick Barry, TD. Welcome back, Mick. Thanks for holding over the news.
6: Yeah, that's no problem, Mick. Sure, it won't take 30 seconds here. I just wanted to clarify a point. Now, you, you were saying there just before the, uh, the news break that they were... Uh, yeah, so,
1: somebody complaining those who would have been making 100 euros a week working waitressing and doing stuff in bars to supplement their, you know, being a student or, or to get by or supplement their Susie Grant or whatever, have been on 350 euros a week for the whole summer. Maybe some of them cut to or three recently. Well you see that's that's the
6: point I was going to make to you right they're they're not on 350 euro and the number of people who were saying to me oh sure they're on 350 euro no they're not on 350 euro they're on 203 euro all right so there's there's nobody there's nobody on 350 euro at the moment who was working part time for for 100 euro before the pandemic uh, it's not the case. So just wanted to clarify that.
1: OK. Now, Home heating oil, ESP, petrol, diesel going to be going up in the budget, we think, uh, thanks to the involvement in the government of the Greens. Uh, but now they're cutting the PUP by 100 a week. Here's another text. What a load of crap. All we hear is cases, cases, cases. It's all about control. If your rights can be taken away in times of an emergency and the government are in charge of deciding what a time of emergency is, then you've no rights except what rights the government allow you. Would you agree with that?
6: I was just about to hang up on you there Mick. I thought we were just doing the clarification. Oh no, no. But, uh, what, what was the question again?
1: People are saying that this is all about control. That the, you know, when when you hear these positive cases, they're actually positive swabs. It's quite scary, I think, especially for the older element of society, to hear about all of these positive cases. Some of them may never develop full-blown COVID. Some of them may, ne- may never have serious symptoms. There's a lot of would you would you take it there's a lot of scaremongering going on, but maybe it needs to be that way.
6: Yeah, I, I think there's people out there who are really trying to downplay the dangers of this virus, you know, and who are saying that it's not as serious as is being made out. It's, you know, it's a bit like the flu and so on and so forth. Uh, and I, I have to say, I don't buy that argument at all. You know, um, countries that have let their guard down on the virus A lot of them are countries where you've got very right-wing leaders like the UK or Brazil or the United States with Donald Trump. Um, um, The virus has taken advantage of that uh, and has hammered the population and there's been a much higher death toll. So I think we do have to take it seriously uh, and not uh, downplay it. Of course, the government does uh, use it as the opportunity sometimes um, to uh, bring in control measures and some of the things that they've done Um, have a civil liberties implication that I would be critical of them on but the basic point I'm making here is I think ordinary people do take this virus seriously uh, and they're right to do so. Mm
1: -hmm. But how can any government legislate effectively with this ever changing aggressive virus uh, just knocking them back every single day?
6: Well there's there's things that that could be done and should be done uh, that haven't been done for fear of stepping on the toes of powerful and wealthy individuals. You know, like the resurgence of the virus in the Midlands there in Leishoffelew and Kildare a couple of weeks ago. I mean, in large measure, that was down to the failure of the government to to put the squeeze on the meat barons, the uh, Larry Goodmans of this world who are allowed to run the meat plants. Mm -hmm. in a way which put profit first on the health and safety of workers way down the line. Uh, That's an example of things that could be done and should be done that haven't been done. Mm -hmm.
1: But Larry's profits are Ireland's exports, really, aren't they? Uh,
6: Larry's profits, by the way, uh, are in large measure going into bank accounts in other countries now, and the Irish people see very little back Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of tax that could be used uh, for health, education and combating the virus.
1: But if you go to support your local public on the next Monday night, he can't have live music. He can't have piped music, and you must, ha- if you have the TV, have it turned down. That's that's really the dichotomy that everyone just can't get their head around. You know that, that if there's no testing in meat plants, why do I have to turn the telly down? But there you go, Mick. Thanks a million for that. Thank you, Mick. Thanks for coming back on. Cheers. Cheers thanks. Bye bye. Uh, now we have had more texts, of course. Uh, on this on Patters' text during the week to say that women should not be allowed back into wet pubs as they're a distraction to real drinkers. And of course, it's got the ire and the backup of many of the ladies out there. Kate says, is a gastropub a euphemism for the kitchen? Uh, Chloe says, that text is some Healy Ray type of stuff. Andrea said, I'd love to remind these men that without a woman, they wouldn't be here on this planet. And Jade said, how is this even a discussion? not to mention half the women in the pubs could drink men under the table nowadays. So Padder can shove his ridiculous statement where the sun don't shine. Mary says we should reintroduce the marriage ban, discuss access to contraception, and also what are women's rights of wearing, on wearing trousers. Alicia Joy says, screw you, Padder. Kind regards the entire female population. Uh, Bethany says, I think some men should be banned from speaking altogether. And one more. Uh, Demi says there are uh, they are a distraction for proper drinkers. Would you believe it? Patter needs to go away. How about teaching the pervy men not to be distracted by a woman who just wants to enjoy a few drinks with her friends? Some men really do think they're entitled to gawk at women. It's actually embarrassing. Just a sample of some of the texts on O eight six eight one oh four one oh six. Good morning, Pat. Good morning. You're on about the pandemic unemployment payment, the three hundred and fifty.
8: That's right, Jerry McNally said they wasn't done it,
1: but they were. I, I know I know people who were on it for the whole summer. And, and they've re- they've recently dropped down to two hundred and three, but they wouldn't um, necessarily have been making more than three hundred uh, in in their part time jobs. I know one person uh, who worked for a day, one day. That's right, I know. i too sure. And got it. Yeah. Well, let's not mention any names. Let's not get no, into trouble. I, would not.
8: I know young and young ones that were earning fifty euros a week and they were laid off work and they they got three hundred and fifty into their bank account every week.
1: So it only stands to reason that has to be curtailed a little bit, doesn't it?
8: Well, well if it does, it does nothing to do with me, but I'm just making a point that Mick had his information wrong. And he must know people that are, are getting this and we're getting this.
1: Yeah, I think what, what what Mick's point was really is is that the people who were genuinely entitled to three fifty, you know, let let's say you're you're bringing home five or six hundred after tax or whatever. Uh, and you're getting by on 350 you've no work to go to you're now being cut to 300 or 250 uh, right, he, no, he wasn't particularly it, talking about those who were making 100 uh, before the pandemic be and getting like 350 for the whole summer get more than 350 i think
8: but i'm talking about the people that work one day a
1: week for 50
8: euros and 70 euros they got 350 euros a week
1: and no incentive to go back to work when when, when they were getting that and lots uh, of them didn't people that, 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 they was still out last week, and they had your the choice to go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, just MacBerry's information, Yeah. You know. Okay, thanks very much, Pat. Okay, thank you, too. Okay, Bye. now, uh, somebody else said, I know a few people who are back to work full-time, and they're still getting the pandemic payment for the last few weeks. It's ridiculous. The whole thing is flawed. I also know of somebody who rang to cancel their pandemic payment and still got it the following week. And they rang to genuinely say, I'm going back to work. I've been called back into my job. Uh, thank you, but you don't have to pay me anymore. And uh, they still got the payment uh, the following week. Just to let McBarry know that a family member spent three months on the €350 Euro payment during the summer after the clothes shop she worked in was closed. It might be stopped now, but how many millions have been wasted? The clothes shop was never to reopen again. More from our... Uh programme during the week which generates so many comments and emails. Protests at schools against uh, children wearing masks. We got the uh, following WhatsApp. Are there parents out there willing to protest at schools about the abuse of our kids being wear to, made to wear masks six and a half hours a day? And some of the comments we got uh, are here in collection. Sally said, there's going to be another rise in cases because people are sick of the guidelines and also people aren't willing to, uh, to help stop spread the virus. Damir says, dear parents... All of that's happening around the world is mainly focused on our kids. It has nothing to do with the virus. Children are being conditioned to obey rules and regulations no matter what. That will make them adults that will never question, oppose or raise up against authorities. This is what happens in dictatorships such as China or North Korea. The problem is that they will never realize that. Lots of parents think it's just a mask. But ask yourself, is it just a mask? What happens when tomorrow... When we ask our children to, uh, they ask our children to do other stuff. Will you still think it's just a mask? Uh, a couple more. Stacy says I'm all for masks, but in fairness, it can't be healthy to wear them for six hours a day. The government have said that face coverings are better protection than visors. There are also kids who are mixing with each, each other, playing sport, and don't have to wear them. And Joanne says my own son is out of school with a sore throat today. He was under pressure on Thursday when I collected him. He was red-faced and upset. He said he was finding the mask wearing very hard. He said it was just too hot and there's no taking off the mask for a break until the lunch breaks. So it's four classes non-stop without a breather. I must say this is an excessive amount of time without a break. He knows he must wear it and I'm all for masks being worn. But the kids need to be allowed to get a bit of air between classes. That's fair enough too. Now we have an email here. Uh, Heartbroken Over Confirmation is the title there. Hi Mick, I hope you're well. I'm writing to you as we feel incredibly disappointed with the way a church in Cork treated our family. Our son had a confirmation Tuesday the 15th of September. Prior to the confirmation, we received a letter from the priest stating that only two adults per child can attend the ceremony. I rang the priest to discuss the situation our family was in. We also have a daughter who's 10 and I asked if we can bring her with us. We're not originally from Cork, and we don't have any family here. As the ceremony was during working hours, our neighbours and friends were in work, and we had no one to look after her. The response from the priest was so cold and without any compassion or understanding. He only stated he couldn't do anything about it, and that she couldn't come. We asked a few other friends, but as everyone was working, we ended up bringing her with us. This uh, There was one more family in a similar situation. The lady standing in the church door refused to let both children in. It was exactly the same behaviour as the priest. Cold, without any heart, compassion, understanding, really cruel. As a result, my husband had to stay with our daughter and my son was deprived of the right to have both parents at his confirmation ceremony. The explanation we received was that it was government policy to only allow two adults for the confirmation now, I could not find this policy anywhere, and I do know that our friend's son had confirmation in a different church a few weeks back, and both parents and his younger brother were at the ceremony. Did the government instruct different policies for different churches? I don't think so. Also, there were 60 people during our confirmation, and as far as I'm aware, only 50 were allowed, so the policy was broken anyway. Letting in two small kids for the families that had no other choice but to bring them wouldn't do any difference to anyone inside the church. It was pure willingness and a good heart that was missing here. When trying to find the policy, I came across the HSE guidance for religious services signed by Dear Martin, which is attached. Uh, I, it clearly states no child should be deprived from the right to have both parents at the sacrament ceremony. Is this who we have, we have become? Cold-hearted, cruel people that are refusing small children from entering the church. This is the rock upon which the church will perish. Do priests and people helping in church put guidelines above the religion itself without even offering any kind of support or understanding? Uh, And do we forget what religion really is all about? And if because our fear, uh, because of our fear, we are so scared to offer a little bit of kindness and allow a child in the church, what uh, does this then say about our faith. Uh, I have the name, I'm not sure if I'm meant to read that out or not, so I'll keep that private, but that's a very very poignant and heartbreaking letter. Uh, I was at a uh, communion in Donegal, and uh, as a godparent, was able to attend but it was parties of four, maybe one or two parties of five, where two godparents were there, but uh, it certainly was a much trimmed down experience. And the church was almost eerie. And you know the way when the priest uh, says something for which you're, you're meant to respond? There's a Technically, there was silence uh, and it kind of made for a very unsettling experience. But there you go. Uh, went off successfully and uh, congrats to all involved in that. Uh, now, I can't get salon staff as they're making more money on COVID. Hi, Mick. I have a query. I'm a hairdresser, hairdresser in Cork and I can't get hairdressers to work in my salon. They're all at home due to COVID and they're getting the COVID payment. I can't find people to go back to work as people are leaving and working from home now. I'm back at work, it's finding staff to go back to work with me is the issue. Do other hair salons have the same problem? Three of us are back at work in the salon, including myself. The people who used to work with me are making more money off the COVID payment and they won't go back to work. The staff are doing freelance hairdressing with appointments at home and around. I've advertised for positions available in the salon, but it's been difficult. There's a loophole. We still don't have the normal clients back with us either due, either, due to lack of staff. The older clients are still fearful to get their appointments and their hair done. And some of them would prefer to go to uh, a private house. So it would affect business a bit. Can you please bring this issue up on air? Certainly. Well, I think if they were working with you before you offered them their job back and they refused and they stayed on COVID payment, uh, then perhaps uh, I think the mechanism is in place that that COVID payment would be stopped. So I just wonder why that hasn't happened because uh, I know of people who uh, refuse to go back to work, uh, enjoying the COVID payment too much and suddenly, lo and behold, next week, there ain't no COVID payment. Uh, so uh, I wonder why that didn't happen in your case. Maybe you're meant to report the fact that you asked them to come back to work uh, and that would affect the COVID payment or maybe you don't want to do that. I don't know where the, the legality stand there with that. Uh, but it certainly seems to be unfair that they can make 350, probably make the same working at home uh, and and not have to go back to work, and, and the work was good enough to support them in the first place. Let's go to line four and Christine. Hi, Christine. Hi, how are you? You're a salon owner.
9: Yeah, I am um, in partnership. There's two of us in a local salon.
1: Okay, and how's it going um, for you?
9: Very well, I must say, thank God. But like, we're just going week by week, doing the best we can. Okay. And we've been lucky. Our girls, three girls, came back. They were delighted to come back, and. They're just being very careful. they constant cleaning. we wearing the masks. It's hard going wearing the masks. So just listening to about students, it's
1: tough. Can you blame not somebody not who might have been on 350 a week uh, sitting back at yes. home? You know, yes. n- no, yes. no danger per se of contracting yes. the virus. Uh, from not yes. going back to work, into physical yes. contact with people, their hair, their skin, their breathing, uh, and, yes. you know, putting themselves in harm's way, as it were, of contracting the virus for probably the same or less money.
9: Mm, I suppose in one sense no they'll be more careful but what's happening then is some of them not all will be doing hair at home mm. so that's undercutting businesses then that obviously have the overhead and you know that that's a big thing as well that's affecting salons and beauty salons I suppose you no know, I don't blame them, but at the end of the day the COVID won't be around forever and they'd be glad of their jobs when it's gone
1: yeah your line so, is very bad can you move around as well oh, sorry. maybe just a little yeah. bit into no, a better area to say,
9: I'm gonna play there now. Okay.
1: Um, but so your staff came back, and are you looking after them as best you can?
9: Oh, totally. They're very comfortable in the environment. Um, yeah, as best we can.
1: Are you doing walk-ins?
9: Uh, walk-ins. When it's quiet, on the quieter days, they can wait on their cars till we're available to take them. Um, and like that, the older clientele we're delighted to be back regularly. We take them at quieter times. We we offer Sundays if they want just one-on-one. We do that. We're open longer hours. And, and we just try to keep the numbers down. So we're doing our best to accommodate everyone. Okay. And as well as looking after
10: ourselves as best
1: we can. Well, you're making a living. You're providing a service. You're not a burden on the state anymore. You're probably paying tax again, so you're assisting the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're enjoying, I, I suppose it was probably three or four months of staring at the four walls that got your staff to say, you know what, I want to go back to the salon. I want a bit of public interaction.
9: Yeah, and you know what, a lot of clients aren't going nowhere because they're working from home or they're elderly, but they just feel better and it's lovely to be able to do that. To get the feel good factor. Do you know, and for them just to talk to someone. Do you know, our job's very personal and you get to know them, you build friendships and it's just, it's lovely. We're all... It's just a lovely atmosphere over this COVID thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're trying to make it as normal as we can, but as safe as we can.
1: Well, you haven't even mentioned the salon, so let me allow you to do that, please.
9: <laughs> Kerrig Organic Hair Studio. We're open 15 years in Kerrig and we do our natural organic products, so better for the person, better for the hair, better for us, no chemical smell, we beautiful products, and... Touchwood all going well so far. Don't edge into And we've a great bunch of girls, I have to say. That we so appreciate them. Trina, Catherine and my myself and Ella Just It's just a lovely family. Basically, okay. so, yeah.
1: Well done. Thanks a million, Christine. Not a great line, so thank you very much.
9: Okay. Thanks very much. All the
1: best. Thanks. Cheers, bye-bye. You can phone us, by the way, on 1850104106. You can text 0868104106 or email neil at redfm.ie. I'll take one more uh, before the break and that's in line two. Hi, Michael. Hello. Hello. Hi, Michael. Hey, how's it going, mate? Good. You're saying it's not a pandemic at all.
7: Yeah, well, like, well, Michael, uh, Nick, you know, when you look at when you look at the statistics from the CSO, and you look at it from, you know, you look in the Italian Health and Institutes numbers as well, or the CDC in the United States. There's a ver there's a trade going through all of this, and that trade is the average age is between eighty and eighty five in Ireland at the moment. We've got seventeen hundred and seventy seven people that have died. Fourteen hundred and forty four of those people had one or more comorbidities, Nick. You know what I mean? So, like, in Italy, um, up until I think it was the start of August, 26,000 people had died. Now, Vittorio Sgarbi is a ta- an Italian parliamentarian. He, w- he read out the numbers in the Italian parliament, which the mainstream media all over Ireland didn't show, of course, because there's a narrative they're going by. But vit- according to Vittorio Sicarbo and the Italian Health Institute, 96.4% of the people that died had one or more comorbidities. 50% of that number had two or more comorbidities. And the, 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 the last bit of it had three or more comorbidities. So, Mick, what I'm trying to say to you, what's going on, and it does, it's going on all over the world, health ministries all over this planet have been... It's, it's basically... They've been, there's been a coup d'etat on all our health ministries. And NEFIS, I believe no are a national security threat to this country because they're taking, I believe myself, they're taking orders from the World Health Organization through Nefit and NEFIT are giving those orders to this government which are carrying out these orders. And the amount of destruction, decimation, the psychological damage that's been done to our elderly, the people who the people who brought this country up, who paid their taxes and gave me a chance, gave all these young people a chance to have a life in this country. You know what I mean? And it's just an absolute disgrace. What's What's the the underlying
1: motive, Michael? What's the motive, you feel?
7: It's, and I'll tell you right now, nobody has been talking about it. I'll ask every viewer now to go on to the World Economic Forum and check out the Great Reset. This pandemic is a scam, and it's to bring in a world communist regime. And listen, you can just take a look at it yourself. Don't listen to me, Mm -hmm. Mick, okay? Look at the world. Economic Forum, and look at the Great Reset. It is the biggest scam, and we have, we've got a serious problem now, Mick. We've got to make a choice. Are we going to go down the wo- the road of communism, right? Because
6: well,
1: let, let me counter that, be- that argument with just one, one thing. The USA, yeah, no Donald Trump and the USA have left any, uh, you know, any interaction with the World Health, Health Organization uh, aside. That's, that's, They're not being dictated correct. by the WHO anymore. Yeah, there's yeah. 200,000 deaths in the States.
7: Yeah, but Mick, Mick, the, the CDC's numbers came out. 94%, Mick, had an average of 2.4 core morbidities, Mick. So let me explain to you about the core morbidities.
1: Let's you're you're going to die with COVID rather than of yeah, COVID. Yeah,
7: so it makes, it's worse than that, Mick. It's way worse than that. Let's just say I have cancer of the kidneys, of the lungs and of the stomach, and I have two weeks to live. They use the RT-PCR test. If, if that test's positive that's what goes on the sick and the deaths sort. It's COVID-19. No, that to me, that is not right. I'm sorry. But if, if you have three forms of cancer and you die, you've died of cancer. You have not died from COVID-19. I'm sorry but people have to wake up to this because our country is going down the swanny. But surely we should have
1: lots and lots of uh, lots and lots of less deaths from cancer then if it's all being attributed over one way to COVID. Well,
7: well it, seem, it seems to be cancer numbers are going down, but see, Mick, that's another thing as well. Like, from this COVID-19 thing, look at all the screenings that have been cancelled. There's going to be a tsunami. I'm telling you, there's going to be a tsunami of deaths in this country. Sicknesses, they've got the kids muzzled. It's just... Absolutely outrageous, Mick! And like, listen, Doctor Houlihan, Roland Glynn, and uh, Killian De Gascon need to be arrested and interrogated for treason because that's what's happened, Mick. Listen, look at look at the country. People are losing their minds, their businesses over over a so called pandemic where the average age is eighty four, and 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 fourteen hundred in Ireland, fourteen hundred out of seventeen hundred had one or more comorbidities. So, like I tell you, how they're, they're doing it—they're they're targeting health um, care homes because people die in care homes every day,
1: Mick. Have you, been, have you been to any of the anti-mask rallies in Dublin? You seem very vociferous on the point.
7: No, I haven't. I haven't been up there, but I, I, I absolutely support them because, listen, Mick. Okay, they're—they're they're taking our livelihoods away because of something that's like—I mean, the SARS CoV two. I would like to see anybody show me the scientific paper because I haven't found it. Where this virus has gone through the Cox postulates method where they purify, isolate and identify the particle that's causing illness. You take that particle then and you put it into a healthy person. Now, if that healthy person gets ill, this particle is causing an illness. There is no scientific paper that shows this virus exists.
1: Okay, let, let, I mean, let, me, read, let me read to you some of the texts that are coming in. This would normally yeah. be now where you're called a headbanger, right? Get that yeah. headbanger off the air is what I'd normally be saying to you. First yeah. text, that guy is spot on, says Dara. Joan and Glashine called to say she agrees with Michael. The whole country have turned into a flock of sheep. People need to wake the hell up, it's a farce. That caller is right, says Seamus. Finally, some sense being made here. Here, here. says John. That man is right, says Derek. And one final one, Mick, would he be saying that if it was a nuclear fallout uh, which it resembled at the start, get him off the air. Uh, the laws are put yeah. in for good reason and we still have choices. Well, on those samples, there's five pro and one against you.
7: Yeah, well, like I mean, Mick, listen, you just have to look at the numbers, Mick. Look, if there was a real pandemic, I'd be the first one to say it, OK? Look around you. Who's sick, Mick? Seriously. Take, stand back, relax, open your eyes and look around this country. Who is sick? A pandemic. I mean, you've got Professor freaking Sam McConkie going at the start saying 80 to 100,000 people will die. You've got Professor Jory Killeen saying, I can guarantee you a biblical plague by Christmas. Like, this is outrageous, Mick. You know, if I rang rang the fucking fire fire brigade and said, there's seven hoses on fire in the park and the fire brigade come down and there's a little match lighting on the ground. No, this is what they're doing. It's outrageous what's going on and it needs to stop, Nick. We need to take our country back because, you know, the amount of people that fought and died for this country to give us the constitution. Now, everybody who's alive in this country right now is a custodian of that book. Those articles in those constitution, they were written by people who, who are thinking for the future, for us. They gave us that, and we need to protect this with every inch of our bodies, you know what I mean? So, look, people can call me a headbanger, but you, you know, if they, I think a lot of people just haven't looked at the the
1: numbers. Nobody's know. called you a headbanger yet, but what elements of the constitution do you think are being infringed by what the... Uh,
7: I mean, like freedom of movement, freedom of association, there's a lot of stuff, like, you know... You know, it's it's just like, I don't want to get into the constitutional part of it, no, because it's another story, but but there's been a lot of it. Like, I mean, like, you know, it's just freedom of movement at the start because, you know, a virus, usually you would think you would get herd immunity and everybody would be outside. No, like, wearing masks for me is, it's more than that. This is a kind of a, it's a more of a political thing, I think, because I read an article where someone said, an insider said, there was huge political pressure for masks. no. That's not medical pressure. That's huge political pressure. No, I don't know where that p- pressure was coming from, wh- where it's coming from or who it was, but uh, listen, the masks should be stripped off those kids. They should be stripped off right now because it's an absolute crime against our children. Like, and it's a crime against the old people in this country as well. They're frightened out of their wits, you know what I mean? And uh, afraid to go outside. And look, Nick, the mainstream media, whether knowingly or unknowingly, are, are, are refusing... To give the correct narrative to the Irish people, you know, they're, they're, I've, I've emailed. I don't know how many TDs, mainstream media, and not a single
1: reply. We yeah. want uh, want to bring in Val here, Michael. Just a moment, just uh, Val wants yeah. to come in on this. Val, good morning. you Mick. How are you doing? Very good. What point do you want to make?
11: A uh, simple point. The chap there said, if someone has basically three cancers and they get COVID, that COVID isn't the cause of death. But yet, if the same person was crossing the road and got a belt of a car and died, is he still trying to say that the person dies from cancer?
8: No,
7: oh, no, no. If you understand me, there, Val, what I'm trying to say to you is, if somebody, if I'm got, if I'm in a care home and I I have three types of cancers, but the RT PCR test, this is the key here, guys. The RT PCR test is not fit for purpose. Okay. It's giving false positives. So what I'm trying to say to you is, you've three different types of cancers, and you test positive for this test. You've no symptoms, you've, you're dying of cancer, you die, that's what goes on the death cert. Even on a false you know positive, I mean?
1: it will, it'll go on the death cert.
7: Yeah, 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 so if, if it tests positive, you go on the death But Mick, do you think that's, that's okay? Or, you know, I'm asking all the people around Ireland, do you think it's okay that if you, if you have a week to live from cancer, but this test gives you a positive? I don't think that should be put
12: that sort. Of, like you know what I mean? Mm, That's outrageous.
1: Okay. T- thanks for that, Val. Uh, just a couple more texts, Michael. Good morning. At last, someone speaking sense. Completely agree with this caller. No, I don't agree. It's a war, a war on a virus. There are four people in the ICU in the Mercy. There were none all summer. My wife works there. Uh, please don't use my name. Uh, well done, Michael. Finally, at last. Well said, Michael. Says Peter. Can I get his number, please? Says <laughs> somebody. We need to fight back. Where are all the sick people? They're all isolating. Get that clown off the radio thinking they know more than the scientists because they f- watched a few hours of YouTube, says Barry. No. Mark says, we'll never suppress the virus with his attitude, get him off. Uh Sorry, Mick, we'll never suppress the virus with his attitude, get him off, says Vince. He's spot on. Mick, it's a scam. Good man, says Alan, and I'm a thousand percent with your caller. And one more, why are you giving a nutcase like him such a platform? He's obviously a Trump supporter.
7: Well, no, I mean, Mick, to be fair, to call me, you know, a, 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 you know, a nut, I mean, I'm looking at the CSO statistics, Mick. I just looked at them this morning. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. Average age, 83. And if you look at it all over the world, Italy, America, England, even Britain have come out and said they've overestimated the the deaths because of the the RT-PCR test, you know? They were testing people two months before in in Britain, and then they died later on from something, and that's what went on the death sort, COVID-19. Because they'd had the test. Yeah, and they tested positive. But, like, as we know, Mick. Loads of people are getting this test and they have no symptoms. If you have no symptoms, you're not sick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, this test needs to be seriously analysed and investigated for its accuracy because it's, it's literally causing our country to go into freefall. And we, we can't let that happen. I can't let that happen as an Irishman and as a custodian of our constitution. I care about the people of Ireland The World Health Organization does not care about the people of Ireland, okay? Michael,
1: you've just been called the only person speaking sense on Red FM these days. Oh, that's an insult to me. This caller's dead right. There's a bigger agenda with the so-called pandemic. And somebody's wondering, is it okay to share your number with them, Michael? You're a brave man speaking your mind and making sense. We can't give them your Um, number unless you say yes. doesn't matter.
7: Um, I'd rather ask make is alright but yeah. like you know what I mean. We have to protect um, yours
1: under under GDPR regulations. We can't give the number to them anyway, unless you unless you consent. So that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Gr- gr- I'd rather
7: not. It's, it's yeah. not anything. Um, I, you know, I just I'd rather not. Like, but um, if you ever want to ring me back or whatever, that's no problem. Well, but, I tell you what. I tell you
1: what. Judging by the level of engagement of the public and the number of texts and phone calls we're getting over what you're saying. Uh, let, let's get them all together and maybe we'll talk to you uh, tomorrow uh, tomorrow, or maybe early next week uh, m- maybe there's someone who wants to argue the toss with you but there certainly yeah. seems to be a lot more support for you than there is negativity uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been interesting as said,
7: yeah as I said Mick you know I'm not a doctor but I can read I can read you know we all can read we've all done maths we've all can work out something and just as I said It just seems to me the proportionality of what's happening is way, way, way out of, like, you know, into space altogether. Because, like, you know, people losing their jobs, their minds, you know, it's just crazy. Like, you know, and I'm seeing people around me, myself, you know, they're losing their minds. Everybody's getting agitated and it's just like, no, I'm sorry, but people have to speak up for this country.
1: Michael, I have to leave it there, but I have a a strong hope and I have a feeling we'll be speaking again soon, if you're willing. Thank you very much. No problem, Nick. Thanks. Cheers. Bye bye.
0: This is the Neil Prenderville show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM one hundred four to one hundred six Red FM.
1: And uh, we've never seen such a reaction. And uh, we have spillover lines here; they're lighting constantly, nonstop. Uh, it seems to be, and it's just a straw poll. I would say eighty percent in agreement with our caller, twenty uh, percent calling him. A headbanger. your caller, Michael, speaks the most sense i've heard yet, and echoes my every sentiment. People like this should form a group, please share my number with Michael, a brave man speaking his mind. Uh, well said Michael, only person speaking sense these days, best i've heard in a while. this caller's dead right there's a bigger agenda with this so-called pandemic. Well said, Michael, only person. Uh, that really is calling it as it is today. Delighted to finally hear a coherent opposing voice. Uh, and that's not an insult to you, Mick, uh, because you're impartial and informed. But that's outstanding. That guy, get him back on the air. I'd love to hear him again. And if you've no symptoms, you're not sick. The level of stupid in that statement is disturbing, said another uh, caller. And I know he said, and it's a personal opinion, he's entitled to it. Maybe I should have challenged him a little bit on it. Uh, that Killian de Gascogne and uh, Ronan Glynn and Tony Holohan should be charged with treason. Uh, that's Michael's opinion. He's entitled to it. But of course, you have to uh, hand it to those three gentlemen, especially Tony Holohan, who's been uh, absented or absented himself for family reasons and to care for those he loves the most. Uh, but you also have to look at the fact that these guys are doing their best whichever situation was presented to them. Michael, I think, would feel they're complicit in something bigger. Lila, good morning. How are you? Hello. Hi, you agree with Michael?
4: I totally agree with him. I, especially when it comes to the kids, I'm, I have my kids in school and they have to wear a mask, which I think is the most stupidest thing that's ever there. Because you're going to make them sick, like they can't breathe properly.
1: Well, even with the masks, we're, we're getting an increase in cases in schools now. We're hearing about them every day.
4: That's the thing. I think the mask is. The worst thing that this government came off with, because people, even grown-ups, they, they put on the mask and they go in the shop and they don't sanitize anymore or keep distance from each other. I think that's why the cases are going up.
1: I see the more mask- and more people uh, walking to a shop door, go, oh, oops, taking a step back, fishing the mask out of the pocket, the one they use over and over and over again, not sanitizing the hands. Uh, it's just for the visual impact, really, and they're off, they go into the shop. It's off straight away, they step over the threshold again.
4: That's the thing. I think the mask should be banned and make people sanitize and keep the distance. That that's
1: that's what's on that's sp- impossible in schools, though, Lila.
4: But the thing is, in schools, right? They may they be made sit with the mask in the class. When they go out to the shops to get their food or whatever, the mask is off. They don't keep distance, and you wouldn't be asking them either. They're teenagers, like. You know, it's it's, it's insane, if you ask me.
1: And you're saying that the kids are getting lung and throat problems now, a couple of weeks in?
4: That's what I hear around, yeah. Even my son, he's saying that it's very hard to breathe. So I got him a visor. I hope he's using it. He says he is, but, like, I'm not there. I don't
1: think visors are allowed in schools, unless they're accompanied by a mask.
4: I'm not sure about that. I think at the very start they said they can. Use it's my them.
1: understanding you, you you have to have a respiratory uh, a certified respiratory ailment before you can use a visor other than that it's masks for everybody. I stand to be corrected on that now. Could be wrong.
4: I'm I'm not sure either but like it's insane. You you can't breathe properly. I put on the mask to go in the shop and when I come out the shop I'm under there trying to get some breath You know, Mm -hmm. they have to sit, they sit in the, like they're seated apart as it is. What is the point of the mask there? Okay, thanks.
1: (laughs) Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, We're getting very busy. Megan, good morning. Hi. Now about people dying from other things and having COVID on their death certs. Tell us the story.
9: Uh, Yeah, I just have family in Argentina and unfortunately um, my aunt, uh, what's he called, Uh, English has left me, sorry. (laughs) Our father died there recently and he had many things wrong with him, but he, because his COVID test didn't come back in time before he died or he didn't get one. I don't know the circumstances, but because of that, he, uh, on his death set, they have to push COVID as a a reason and because of that like over there obviously they have a lot more people around each other so they mm-hmm. couldn't have a, a funeral I think it was only like four people and like they had a huge family so like all the grandkids couldn't go and, go and stuff and it was really sad but that's just the precaution because I don't know anything about if you can catch it off a body or anything like that so they just had to uh, do it as a precaution so yeah, yeah. that was just the thing I heard like from my experience like
1: But uh, was COVID on the death cert? It was?
9: Yeah, yeah. They had to put it on there because his test hadn't come back or he hadn't gotten a test before he died. So they didn't know.
1: Okay. But he had many things wrong with him. But because because of a second COVID test, uh, it never came back in time or something, was it? Uh,
9: Yeah. um, I think they tested him before. But then when he kind of had a downturn, they went to test him again and...
1: Oh, I see. Yeah, and because, because the COVID test didn't come back in time, they put it on the death yeah. cert anyway. And, yeah. and then this impacted everything else. That meant there could be no funeral for the family. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, right, it. okay.
9: Because even, like, my own grandfather years ago, he had emphysema, but it was MRSA that kind of hit him and killed him in the end. So that's what they were kind of thinking. Maybe it was COVID he caught at the end and that killed him. Okay. They had to put it on the, the death cert just in case. Like, they couldn't. Say yes or no so they
1: have to okay and you're also saying covid packs more of a punch than the flu it won't be just an inconvenience for someone if you pass it on it'll probably kill them um yes. that's very sad though that uh, the the test was was being waited for uh, and it might have come back negative which would have allowed him a proper funeral how exactly, sad is that
9: yeah, the, the, all right all my cousins were very very upset about it like they they were devastated they couldn't go and they, I understand. they couldn't even go to the hospital yeah.
1: All right, okay, Megan. Guys. Thanks very much. Good no point problem. though. And uh, now that you bring you brought it up, uh, if if he had come back with a negative test uh, and died yeah. shortly afterwards, everything would have been normal. Yeah, so sad. But it was just yeah. A
4: caution, like...
1: yeah, okay. Thank you. No bother. Cheers, no. bye bye. Hi Mick, I sincerely hope the government are not completely buckling under the pressure imposed upon it by certain sections of business regarding the opening up opening up of our country. To do this would be a total act of gross negligence on the government's behalf. Its first and foremost duty is to protect its citizens. The figures for COVID-19 are rising dramatically and are going to get worse, way worse, in fact. Professor Jerry Kellin has stated this on Red FM News bulletins. He said that the country should be in lockdown, such are his fears. This government is so weak that it's frightening. Shame on them for putting so many lives at risk because they can't or refuse to stand up to certain sections of business. All lives matter, Mick. On a separate issue, there's a taxi protest taking place in Dublin tomorrow. Okay, this is a couple of days old, and that taxi protest has already taken place. But that by email to neil at redfm.ie. We're back in a moment.
0: Text the Neil Brenderville Show now, 86 Red FM.
1: And back to the topic at hand in a moment. I just want to give a, a few gigs a mention. And if you are a musician or a venue that's doing gigs with the, you know, the upcoming opening of what they're calling the wet pubs, traditional pubs, I would call them. And please let us know, because it is uh, the week that we should be supporting and advertising those type of things. Could you please wish my parents Eamon and Kitty Fitzgibbon from Tower Street a happy 63rd wedding anniversary today. Also my nephew Eric Fitzgibbon from Deer Park, a happy birthday. He's 30 today. Hope to see you all soon. Love, Monica and Peter. Ah, good old Tower Street. My mum came from number 21. Johnny Bongos, Horgan, Owen Turner and Alan Finn. We'll be entertaining on the Plaza in Mallow tomorrow night for Culture Night. And hi guys, the Rath Inn are hosting live music all this weekend. On Saturday it's Dots and Henry at 9pm and on Sunday it's Damien Coughlin at 6.30pm. If you can let people know. If you've got gigs going on and there are musicians making gainful employment and making a few bob after six months, please let us know. It's the week we'd love to support them uh, for the week that's in it. Sean, good morning to you, sir. Hello. Hello. Hi, Sean. Hey, how's it going? Very good now you're originally from New Hampshire, but you 're in uh, you're in Ireland for fifteen years now or so that's correct yep yeah you' you're, you're taken aback that about eighty percent of our respondents agree with michael
12: uh, well, depending on what what uh parts of his argument they agree with i mean it's not like all of i don't disagree with all of what it's it's,
1: it's mostly that, wow here's somebody talking sense at last
12: well what i don't agree with is is the notion that the, the, there's some sort of hidden ulterior motive of social control behind these public health measures. That's where it gets off into uh, a landscape lunatic territory for me. I mean this is it's on the face of it it's 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 quite a quite a pill to swallow. I mean do you I mean what's what's the what's the meta theory behind this? That all the governments in the world, including bitter enemies such as China, India, Russia, Saudi Arabia, United States are all cooperating to create a hoax to implement social control when okay, uh, why didn't they do this last year or five years ago? Or what? Why do they actually, I don't know, spy on each other and, and sometimes go to war with each other if they're secretly in cahoots? Which you would kind of have to believe to go along with this ludicrous theory. It's ridiculous on the face of it for anyone who through it.
1: Okay, I, I suppose it's a kind of Masonic Lodge, Illuminati, uh, you yeah, know... The, George Soros, the Agenda 21. The Rothschilds, richest uh, uh, families uh, yeah. in the world, George Gates, all of these people, uh, Bill Gates, all of these people trying to... Of course. Uh, to, you know, yes, the yes. people who have the most money in the world looking for more, which is kind oh, of hard to believe. And don't... don't don't forget Tom Hanks who's who a Oh, Tom Hanks is meant Greenough. to be up to all sorts of shenanigans as well.
12: Yes, he yeah, harvested the yeah. glands from children, don't you know? That's, yeah, that's and we're saying knowledge. that
1: sarcastically by the way, Tom, please don't sue us. Yes, yes, Tom, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. But, there, but but there is this big awakening, the awakening, the great awakening movement that's out there who who they subscribe to all of these yeah. theories. And and they would wow. ridicule me and you know for talking uh, talking down about them because they feel they are more informed. Michael would probably be one of them.
12: Well, I, again, I don't want to. Maybe Michael may or may not. He can speak for himself. I I don't want to impugn QAnon membership to him if he's not part of that group. Mm-hmm. But if he were, yes, I'd say, well, let let's let's see the evidence. Let's let's uh, let's see you do your homework.
1: How do you feel about the way things are being handled by your president back home?
12: <laughs> you mean specifically the the virus or his general rule?
1: Well, let's start with the virus, shall we?
12: Well, speaking to the virus, uh, yes, he, uh, he, he, he was saying yesterday, that the head of the uh, CDC, uh, Dr. Redfield, uh, who was in Congress testifying, that, you know, these, these vaccines aren't going to be ready anywhere the time, around the election time. And Trump was asking this in a press conference later in the afternoon, and he said, no, the guy was confused. He was mistaken.
1: Um, It'll be okay, great, great, great timing for Trump. I, I, I'd i love to stay and talk with you more. Maybe we can some other day. Um, but look, I, I take your point. Uh, what we're getting here is about 75, 80% in favor of what Michael's saying. We're going to try and correlate all of the texts and calls, maybe put a little right. mini program right. together around it. Uh, i 'm caught by what you said in your text as well. Historian Richard Hofstadter said in one thousand nine hundred and sixty four the paranoid mind mind is far more coherent than the real world. Uh, Sean, we leave it there Th- Thanks for your contribution. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye-bye.
0: Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM.
1: Now, Michael's interview on The Neil Brinderville Show has caused an awful lot of uh, text to come our way. We'll read some of them in a moment. First of all, I want to read a a COVID-19 statement. Cork ETB has been informed of a second confirmed case of COVID-19 in a school. The HSC has confirmed that the two affected individuals are not linked and transmission of COVID-19 did not occur in the school and uh, the staff and students at the school continue to adhere to all department of education and skills and HSE safety guide, uh, measures and guidelines and school management will continue to follow all HSE guidelines that's in reference to uh, one of the schools we mentioned there today now let's uh, get to our text you can text and uh, uh, 0868104106 well done michael only sane person so far next text says i agree 100% with michael the next text says well said michael my son has a nose infection because of the masks i have never contacted red fm before Please get Michael on again. He was so articulate and spoke such truth. Uh, well done. Next text says, brilliant words, Michael. Michael is a breath of fresh air. Thank you for giving him the airtime. He speaks perfect sense. The great awakening has begun. I'm not educated, but I'm not stupid. This has been a planned agenda pandemic for years. Oh, that man that was just on. Uh, I fully agree with him. Absolutely brilliant. Agree with everything he said. So happy to hear that man speak out against this atrocity that's happening in our world. I'm 70 years old and have said what Michael is saying from the start. I too hate masks. They are unnecessary. Thank you for giving this clever man time on air. Uh, well done, kind regards, says Mary. And Jean. says, agree with Michael in his interview. While Brendan says, head banger. Okay, so there you go. Uh, It's mostly for, very little against Michael, uh, but we will collate all of the messages that come in and maybe get Michael back on air uh, and maybe get someone on the opposite side uh, just to uh, engender some balance in the argument or in the discussion. Uh, A text from a very concerned train driver. I am a train driver in Cork. I am on my way to Dublin now. There are 58 passengers on board and two staff. This makes no sense to me as the government said not to travel if possible. I will take account of how many passengers will get on the train out of Dublin later. I feel as if I'm transporting this COVID around the country. So even though Dublin is on, uh, you know, the beginnings of what would seem to be an escalation to level three. It hasn't happened yet, of course. And the advisory is, it's not a strict rule, the advisory is not to travel out of Dublin. I suppose, in you know, in, uh, the, in, in the opposite way, that should apply that you should really shouldn't be traveling into Dublin. Uh, unless you really have to. But 58 people and two staff are now hurtling towards Dublin on a train. I wonder how many, and I hope that train driver doesn't get into trouble, but uh, can text us back as to how many people are are leaving Dublin on that train again and coming all the way back here to Cork or dropping off on the way. The Department of Education has confirmed that 12,292 students have applied for Leaving Cert calculated grades Rechecks. Now, this is on the back of Anya Finnegan, an 18-year-old who is taking a legal case uh, against the Department of Education, against the Minister uh, involved, which would be Simon Harris, I believe, uh, and uh, against the general downgrading of her marks, which caused her to miss, uh, you might have heard it on the news yesterday, certainly on the 9 o'clock news on TV last night, uh, caused her to miss her medical uh, course by two points. If she's successful, uh, that may open the floodgates and cause a bigger furore here uh, then happened in Britain Britain was very strong uh, but a very sort of a short uh, and intense period of complaints. This could drag on now if uh, Miss Finnegan uh, is successfully able to uh, get uh, a recheck of her marks uh, in time to get her course uh, it may open the floodgates for many more students who also have uh, a complaint with the government and now it looks like it's a massive complaint. The Department of Education has confirmed that 12,000 Two hundred and ninety two students have applied for leaving cert calculated grades rechecks. Now let's go to line one into Vincent. Hi Vincent. Good morning. You're one of the people who agree with Michael. There are many. I would agree with an awful lot of what he had to say, yes. Why um, why is that? Is it is that is it the response is overproportionate? Uh,
13: the response has is, is gone beyond proportion uh, completely and has been from the start, to be honest. But um, uh, like Mike, Michael made a lot of good points, and uh, in particular, uh, you know, he was making a point about the test, the, the PCR test. And uh, you know, one one point that has been made about that test is that we're it's being assumed to be a hundred percent accurate. And uh, you know, even if you only allow for you know a half a percent of uh, of, of the test being inaccurate, you know that's that's. For 5,000 tests a day, that would be 25 positives, which would be 25 false positives. And then if you allow for the fact that the test picks up dead fragments of virus that have been hanging around there for months, uh, then you can pick up most more false positives again. So, you know, the test accuracy really needs to be investigated. And, you know, we we are potentially associating a huge amount of uh, positive cases to to actual um, not people who are not sick and are not carrying a live virus,
1: okay, or who who won't manifest in in you know into into the full COVID nineteen battle, but, or, ma- but may may handle it unknowingly or may handle it with very little discomfort,
13: or won't pass it on either. You know, if it's a mm. false test, they can pass it on. Yes, of course, yeah, if, they can if, transmit. If, if, if if it's fragments of dead virus, they can pass it on. But we are we are assuming 100% accuracy on the test. And, you know, there is no challenge to this. So that test seriously needs a, a thorough investigation as to, its uh, you know, is it fit for purpose? I suppose in particular, though, I, I, I commented because of Michael's... Um, uh, the, the, the fact that you had this discussion—you know—this discussion has been shut down in so many different forums. I mean, if you look at the doctor who raised a, a concern recently, um, Doctor um, Feely, uh, you know, he had he had to resign because he just spoke. He just he, he made a statement that children don't transmit. And the, the HSE forced him to resign. Uh, you know, he's not allowed to talk. If you look at the, at the Jennifer Zamperelli had a, 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 attempted to have a, a similar discussion. An anti-mask discussion, ago. yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, and she was shut down. You know, uh, uh, Marcus De Bruyne is being investigated by the Irish Medical Council. You know, anybody who speaks out and doesn't agree with the narrative that is out there, uh, don't even call it a narrative, sorry. Anybody who speaks out and doesn't agree with the government's
1: position on this is immediately shut down. If it's not a narrative, it's propaganda, Vincent.
13: Well... I'm just talking about the, the government's position. Mm-hmm. So the government's position is one thing. If you take a different position, you're not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to speak about it. Now, the fact that you had this discussion this morning, you know, I, that's the main reason I texted in, and more or less to congratulate you and Michael for having that discussion. You know, it, it's just, you know, there's, there's a lot more to discuss here than what is being allowed to be aired.
1: Yeah, we mentioned the pandemic yesterday, the pandemic series, which have been chopped up and you can only get them in bits and pieces and in, in different places now. You certainly won't get them on Facebook or Twitter anyway. Um, but some serious medical expertise, which has also been sidelined. Uh, on the other side of this, then I suppose, you know, you have Donald Trump calling everything that's not flattering fake news. So it's kind of a muddy water, isn't it?
13: Well, it is a muddy water, and I, I'm, I'm not getting into the pandemic thing, but like there, there's, um, there's, a, there's a, a guy in the UK, okay, he's an ex-CEO of Pfizer. Now, he came out recently, and he got online on Twitter, and he, and he said that he, he presented his case to the UK government, and he has been shut down. You know, he has been in the industry for 30 years. He maintains the PCR test, is not uh, giving good um, Evidence—it's not providing the information that they're saying it's providing, you know. And he—he he was shut down. You it, know, it's not—it's uh, not allowed to have a different opinion on this. And you know that—that is—that that is seriously dangerous in—in—in—in in, in, in a what's supposed to be a
1: democratic society. Okay, let's bring in B here. Good morning, B.
2: Hi. Good morning. How are you?
1: You're agreeing with the caller as well, Michael. You're saying it's not a pandemic; it's a scam
2: Absolutely, I have been saying this, and so has my 84-year-old healthy mother for since March, since the month of March. Definitely, because back in 2019, late 19, there were the the whole system in Ireland. All the hospitals were under massive pressure because there was this really extreme flu, as they called it, and um, a lot of. People who I know suffered from it, and a lot of people who I know, their actual family members or friends had it, and most people were talking about that way last uh, last winter. So come uh, come March, uh, suddenly the WHO told told the, the HSE here that it was called COVID nineteen and uh, then we all know what happened ever since that but it's massive um, what would you call it I would look on it now as a massive assault on people's mental health more than anything you know people are suffering all ages my own mother a couple of weeks ago and this is the absolute fact of truth she said to me I feel like ending it life is just so awful I was shocked when she said that to me because she's so upbeat. She's extremely healthy. She looks like in her late sixties, not an eighty-four-year-old at all. And I was absolutely crushed when she said that to me. But what has driven
1: her to that to that mental position?
2: Because she she her everything is you know it's doom and gloom. It's RTE non-stop on the radio on the TV it's constantly doom and gloom and they're just using these figures and uh, people who are dying like I totally agree when I hear people saying about their family members they went in with multiple um other, other issues with mental issues, they have health issues and then their on their death certificate. It's put down as COVID just because they happen to test for that. You know, I mean, you can have COVID and not be affected by it at all at all. And actually, in fact, it's only what 1% of people get it. Um, a 99% recovery rate. This is a virus with a 99% recovery rate, and people need to remember that. But there's so many people um, actually with vested interests in this now that they're milking it to the last they're milking it to the max because they're making so much money even though many GPs are not even seeing their their patients they're taking their phone calls and they're charging you know taking their 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 appointments over the phone calls and they're charging for phone calls they're asking for them to come have blood tests and they're charging for the blood tests instead of examining them many of them just need to be examined and Vinc- not have even blood tests
1: taken. okay hang on there be Vincent Vincent would you be all for uh, the Irish population then developing herd immunity
13: well, um, I think it's it, it's going to happen anyway. You know, whether before it or not, it's going to happen anyway. It's what happens with all viruses. So, um, what what do you uh, intentionally set out on that path is another question. Like uh, we, 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 we we I think we, we feel we made a mistake by um, cocooning people and by um, sheltering people through the summer period when. Uh, natural herd immunity would have been established through a sa- in a safe period. Like you can go back now uh, and look at the statistics, and the the the, the, the epidemic, call it, um, was effectively over in in you know more or less the end of May, and uh, there hasn't been substantial fatality since. There has been some, but there hasn't been uh, anything like what there was previously. But we covered people up. We had kept kept people sheltered, and we when you do that, what happens? Afterwards, is you let people out again, and then the virus takes hold again. So you know, we we, we will cause our own second wave, if you want to call it that, uh, just by trying to shelter people inappropriately in a period of time when the hospitals are not busy, when they could have been dealing with um, you know the cases as they arose, and uh, and we didn't do that, and now we have uh, a load of cases arising, which may or may not be positives.
1: All right, Vincent, I, I've got to move on. Thank, thank you for that contribution. I want to bring in Tony who would be here. Hi, Tony. You've got an opposing view.
14: Yeah, I think I think it's really irresponsible having these kind of conspiracy theorists on. I mean, it's like when people have a debate about vaccines. You have these these idiots that just look at YouTube and they think, you know, they believe the HPV vaccine is harmful or MRSA vaccine cause autism and these fools on and they just it's not an abstract discussion. Like, it's it's public health matter. So I think it's highly irresponsible that these, you know, QAnon kind of conspiracy theorists who just watch some YouTube video and they think they're experts then. They're spreading this all this hysteria about New World Order, Bill Gates, and George Soros creating the whole thing. It's a hoax. That,
1: that was just one element of the, of the discussion. He did seem to be much more seriously informed than he would get from, from YouTube, to be fair. Yeah, well, to be
14: fair, there's a lot of videos going around like saying, oh, it's all a hoax, or most people don't die from it. But most people... Their body is so fully ravaged. from of their lungs, from they get pneumonia, they get bacterial infection. So maybe it's a contribution. Different factors that made them to die because their body is so weakened, and the lungs will be so weakened from the, mm-hmm. the COVID, the, the pneumonia. I mean, yeah, I mean if we had these rallies, and their people are spreading the same thing. Like it's anti-mask, anti vaxxers So it's the same thing. If you have the, the HPV vaccine fears, we have these religious groups, and these anti-vaccine groups. They're just spreading this lies and disinformation. I think it's a higher responsibility. Him saying, like, the chief medical officer, Tony Hoagland, or Roland Din are guilty of treason. He's the one guilty of treason, spreading all this far-right loony lies about the vaccine being a hoax, or that COVID being a hoax. And when the vaccine comes along, he'd be the same person spreading lies from some old stupid, you know, conspiracy, theorist YouTube videos saying the vaccine's a hoax, or the vaccine's harmful, or the vaccine's some kind of controlled global population by Bill Gates or George Soros, I mean...
1: Uh, and you know something, maybe it's because there's so little of what Michael was saying on the public airwaves that That's why we got such a reaction Like to be fair, anyone who disagreed with Michael uh, We asked them to contribute to the show Very few except yourself, uh, you know, were willing to come on the air And yeah, and, and, and we, we let that offer open on our text lines, on our email uh, And even by phone call tomorrow If you want to come on and disagree, Michael's even agreed to come back on with us So he's not hiding from anything
14: I mean, it's a bit like the, the anti-vaccine people. People have really strong opinions on these things, and the people probably pose it and they're just kind of lap up this kind of conspiracy theorist nonsense about it. So it, it's probably yeah. Same with the kind of conspiracy theorists anti vaxxers They're very really, really strong about it. So I, you know, that's like it's almost a messianic kind of religion almost. you know. I mean, it, 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 people people didn't think it's just. It's, I mean, it's like with, the, with the, twenty years ago, with the MRSA vaccine, just before social media, Andrew. Wakefield he was spreading lies but and people lapped it up and it was, it was called autism, it didn't I mean, it, that was just a lie and he now plays some measles now in Umbella and children getting sick from it, children die from it, children get death from it, children get brain damage for it, and he's still going around promoting himself and there's still people on YouTube
1: B, B, B would you agree before, before we call it a day?
2: Hi, uh, I would really like to come back on tomorrow because I have quite a lot of important issues I'd like to speak uh, about on this um, I certainly don't agree with somebody insulting people. Uh, when someone says something you don't agree with, you don't start calling them fools and idiots. Because um, well, the
14: evidence it's you contradicts does isn't it? The truth contradicts it. You just don't create a hat.
2: When you were speaking, I didn't interrupt you. What yeah, I'm well, it's, it's, just, it's,
14: it's just people's lies are on the line. It's like with vaccines, you know?
2: Excuse me. I'm trying to speak here. It's yeah, my I'm turn to
1: speak. You had, your,
2: you had your turn to speak. It's my turn to speak.
1: Okay, Tony, let's give her a chance, please. Yeah.
2: The way I look at it is, um, when somebody says something you don't agree with or you don't want to hear or you can't handle hearing, you don't start calling them names and calling them conspiracy theorists. I mean, conspiracy theorists are called conspiracy theorists because they've seen through the bullshit. And basically, what we're talking here today is about a thing that's far greater than any of that, Any silly words that you can throw at somebody for speaking the truth. And what we need is, I'm so glad, I want to congratulate Cork Red FM right today for talking about this, because it seems that the likes of Jennifer Zamparelli's show was shut down, they weren't even allowed to speak about that. And we need media, good media.
8: Fake media.
2: media To talk about all of these issues, not just the government agenda, and not just the HSE. Uh, We need to hear people how they're being affected by this. There are more figures, I can guarantee you, there are more figures going to be dying from suicide than uh, dying from COVID. And um, what's happening now is there are so many people being uh, shut down and not allowed to speak about this. I mean, the daily numbers that they're giving out and the constant bombardment from the HSE with their ads on social media and on TV and on radio... That in itself is driving the numbers up of suicide and the numbers up of depression. But you don't hear the HSE giving out any numbers of people suffering with depression or suffering from
1: suicide. Okay, Tony, where where are you directing your fake media comment at? There.
14: Oh, that's, sorry, that's just the propaganda. That's ironic kind of comment. That's what, that's what you'd hear from Trump or these conspiracy theorists. Okay. It's all the mainstream media, it's all fake media, it's all fake news, fake hoax, pandemic, fake vaccines. George Soros, the Jews around the world, Bill Gates around the world, they'll, they'll cabal and they meet every year and it's all secretive kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
1: But when you look at this government and past government's record on, on major issues, for instance, look at, we, we all know that the big social media firms harvest da- data. Facebook got fined five was it five billion dollars, uh, yet you won't hear a critical utterance from the government about it. The government seems to provide free legal aid for those of you know, the, the big multinationals to whom... Uh, It might be owed some taxation. Uh, Germany's regulator has repeatedly says our data protection commissioner is under-resourced. They've been tougher words for the uh, insurance industry, I grant you, but zero, zero action. Like, to be fair, the the insurance industry is ripping customers off with dual pricing. They've done it yesterday, they've done it today, and they'll do it tomorrow. Uh, But what really gets me when it comes to government in utterances, and this is why the likes of Michael is getting airtime, is because... It was the Irish media that highlighted the situation here in when COVID-19 erupted in our meat plants. It was the British media. It was Sky News and BBC. Low temperatures, low wages, fear among the mainly foreign workers of losing wages because of no sick pay, turning up for work while sick, turning up with COVID, living in houses 20, 30, under one roof. Some tests were sent directly to their employer by the health service executive, clearly setting out just how low down the scale The state views meat plant employees, but not the meat plant owners. No wonder there's going to be a hotbed of resistance. And and people like Michael coming on the air to say, this response is not proportionate, it's not fair, uh, and it's scaring people, certainly scaring the older element of our society.
9: Uh, Mike, I mean, can I say? Yeah, maybe well, he
14: thinks it's all just the hoax, anyway, so he doesn't. Does he yeah. actually believe it's real, or he thinks it's just some kind of planned thing, or, or by George Soros or Bill Gates? Or. Oh, we're going to have him back on to discuss that. Bill,
1: you yeah. wanted to say yeah. something there.
2: Yeah, I, I feel um, just hearing. Now, I don't know Michael at all. I don't know your other caller on now either. But what I'm saying is, Michael seems to be speaking truth and I I just feel that he's speaking from his heart and he also has figures to match up what he's talking about and what I'm saying is as well, that, uh, he doesn't seem to have an agenda he doesn't seem to have a vested interest
14: agenda 21 oh.
2: it? excuse me I don't know what you're talking about agenda 21 it's not a
14: conspiracy theorist agenda 21 Yeah.
2: I don't know what you're, you're alright
1: Tony about. carry on B
2: I'm trying to say that um, an awful lot of people who are for this obviously have... Um, their own agenda, and an awful lot of people have vested interests. And if you look at the figures of who has the vested interests in continue to milk this situation, I mean, the way I look at it is for the masks at the schools. They've all been designated with their space between the be it one meter, two d- meter distance. And I basically say that every parent in this country who agrees with their child wearing a mask for six hours or more per day in school, they should also that parent should also be made wear the mask for uh, continuously for six hours a day and only be allowed to take that mask off at their lunchtime and see then if they might stand up and defend their children's rights to breathe. Mm -hmm. You know, there are professors in this country who are saying how dangerous all of this is to mental health, to physical health and to respiratory systems and they're being discredited. It seems anyone that wants to say anything with facts. Right there to prove and to back up what they're saying are clamped down on speaking the truth. They're clamped down, and they're being this. Um, how would you say they're? They're just. Oh my gosh! Anyone who wants to say anything are being called names and they're being discredited. I mean, what does that tell you?
1: B, I'd say you yourself and Michael together would be a powerhouse on one side of the discussion. If we can find and and you know and bring some equilibrium to the debate, uh, yes. for someone to debate you, and if we do that, we'd we'd like to have you back on again. Okay. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, a Million B. Tony, final comment from you.
14: Well, I think it's a bit irresponsible, really. I mean, it's a bit like the discussion you had a few years ago. I remember with with, with the usual host about the HPV vaccine. Most of the responses are opposed, most of the people just lap up this own nonsense. They say on Facebook that, all oh, the HPV vaccine is harmful, or you're you're, you're going to get disabled after or you're going to die from it, but it's all just nonsense pushed by the same people who are spreading this kind of COVID hoax, COVID, COVID sham
1: pandemic kind of nonsense, you know?
14: All well, right, mean, like Tony. Bring, bring people on who are scientists or medical people that shoot down these people, not some Lula watch something on YouTube.
1: you know. Fair enough, Tony. Thanks a million. It is 11.30 and uh, I need to take... Thanks, Tony. I need to take a break. Uh, and as, as about the meat factories, I hate harping on about the meat factories. But the fact is, the Health and Safety Authority pledged to monitor these factories, but actually gave employers a heads up before making inspections to check standards. That is completely off the wall. The surge in cases at meat factories contributed, uh, if I'm correct, to the lockdown of at least three Midland counties... Uh, in August, and when the Taunashto was asked to comment it, Leo Verachter said, oh, I think it's wrong to attribute blame. Despite weeks of the government blaming young people for spreading the disease, uh, for having house parties, and that sort of uh, of a spike that was happening there. So if I'm going on too much about the meat plants, it's because of that. Giving people a heads up before an inspection, as we've proven, happened when the construction came back. It's just not on if you want to get everyone on the same page and fighting the virus together.
0: Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM.
1: It's a busy one. Keep the calls coming. One eight five zero one zero four one zero six. Text to 868 or email neil at redfm.ie. Let's bid good morning to Rose on line 5. Hi, Rose.
11: Hi, how are you? You totally oh, agree Nick, with,
1: with you, who do you totally agree with
11: um the last woman, and there was i didn't quite catch his name the Michael, other man it? as well yeah
1: okay um tell me about yeah, your own situation you have a ninety two year old mother living alone
11: living alone um going back in March they stopped her home help. I got a phone. they rang her they didn't ring me i uh, she rang me um there's nobody coming to see me. I'm on my own. I'm lonely. Um, all the other members of the family stopped calling because they're, they're not in the county of Cork. I'm the only one living in West Cork. Okay. And um, I rang up. I was told it was for her own safety. And I was like, how oh, is it for her own safety? She's on her own. That doesn't make sense. Oh, because of the virus. Um, then I obviously had to go and see her, check on her... Like I'm 40 minutes out of a driveway. I started saying weekends, even though we were all in lockdown and weren't supposed to. She started having falls. She'd ring up. I fell again. I'd rush out there. I rang up then the nurse that was in charge of the home health and I said, What's the story? My mother's having falls. You know, this, this isn't good enough. So they agreed to give back the service three mornings a week. Like she was missing her medication because she old, she wasn't taking it properly, so she was obviously having some side effects or dizzy spells or whatever.
0: Mm. And, and she, she I, I could was, There was no I
11: way she could have moved in I with you, very Rose. Angry. Is there? Sorry,
1: she couldn't have moved in with you.
11: Well, you see, there's a lot of us in the house, mm. and a lot of people coming and going.
1: That 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 would that would really compromise her safety. But I I can't understand why they would remove her home help. She's living alone. She's ninety two. She she does need the physical and mental assistance yeah, well, of that the type of company. We it
11: back three days a week.
1: She uh, got it back. Okay.
11: Then it went back to five days a week. Um, she put on the news then every evening. Oh my God! Look at all the people that have died. And I was like, Mom, they put up these big figures on the television every evening. Whatever it is, thirty thousand or whatever it is now. I say, Mom, those thirty thousand people have not got the virus. If uh, I'd get it up then on my phone and I'd go through it and I'd say, right, so many of them have recovered, So many of them are fine. There's only so many deaths.
1: Yeah, and they're they're not showing they're not showing the, the recovery rate and and they're leaving the deaths accrue. So it's seventeen hundred and seventy seven or whatever today, seventeen hundred and seventy nine yeah, tomorrow. But they
11: put up the big figures every evening on the news. There's so many people with this virus, and I'm like, mom, that's since March. That's how many people tested positive with the virus. And she thinks it's like that many people in the country. And it's like explaining it. It's like total brainwash, brainwashing. They have nothing else in the news. Nobody got killed in the road. It's all oh, To be fair virus. now, the, all,
1: all that stuff is covered as well.
11: Yeah, but mostly, come on now, mostly on the news. There's 15, 20 minutes of the news. Like, what about all the other stuff that's happening? My mother's brother in lives next door. He's in his eighties, and he hasn't stepped inside the door of her house since March. Why not? Because he's brainwashed. He's terrified.
1: He's terrified he'd bring the the, the virus no, to her, or, um, or, or, or or she'll give the it to him. Home
11: health cares are coming to her. They're coming going to other houses as well. They're wearing masks. They're wearing gloves. But he's he doesn't want to take a chance. What if they bring the virus to her? What if I go in and and pick it up and I die? Plus, the other family members from Dublin and where have you came to visit my mother during the summer once they were able to travel.
1: Once they were able to yeah.
11: So, like, she's isolated. She had her brother calling in every day, having a chat, sitting down. She had me calling when I could call, um, weekends an evening during the week or if I have a day off or whatever. And I just feel like the old people, they're absolutely petrified, brainwashed. Seeing the big figure on the news, they think it's a lot worse than what it is. How I was
1: thought. your mum's mental health through all of this?
11: She was very lonely. Like I started staying at the weekends. She she said at one said she said I prefer to die. I'm just so lonely. So I, I started staying maybe one night during the weekend as well. Um the kids going to school, the whole lot, the masks, it absolutely Insane. I, I don't see any virus. Like, where's the virus? I don't know anyone with a virus. I went to Spain, for God's sake. I more or less had a, a private plane going over and coming back. There was one person flew with us on the plane from Kerry Airport to Spain. We went there, everything is grand. No bother. Came home, stayed at home for 14 days, no virus. It's all the biggest scam I ever heard of. Um, and yeah, I just feel sorry for the old people. They're just really suffering.
1: Okay, uh, a texter just said, have, "Have have these people not seen the bodies buried in Brazil? It's real."
11: Well, I don't see it in Ireland. You know, uh, if an old person dies in an old people's home or whatever, they're obviously got something else, or they're really old. You know, I I I just think it's absolutely insane. Okay and my kids are going out to school masked mess, up to the last masks all day
1: all day long even in PE all day
11: long it's just ridiculous Like, when is it going
1: to stop alright Rose not in, no no time soon I would venture thanks a million
11: alright thank you bye bye
1: thank you uh, one more caller on the subject PJ good morning good morning mate you think the whole COVID thing has gone out of control now
15: it is like yeah, there, you know, there's there's just so much misinformation going around, so little clarity, like from from the government. as What's going on? I mean, my heart goes out to that lady you were speaking to there with with the elderly elderly mother. It, it is it is frightening, like it is a very frightening thing. But it's it, it's also real. It's it's not right to be dismissing it either. Mm-hmm. As, as I told you, in my text there. um our grandchildren are going back to school now and our grandchildren live with us they're going back to school now and the, the girl has um, asthma and asking her to wear a mask for seven hours a day
1: Way I'm too restrictive
15: saying, yeah. I, I'm not saying masks shouldn't be worn because my view on the mask thing is that you're protecting yourself
1: Yeah, but is she, is she not entitled with asthma to wear a visor? Um, no, now we have we haven't actually
15: stepped into them realms but we have ordered these um, visors they're more like glasses because she wears glasses too so they're more like glasses but you can wear them and you can wear your your um, your uh, visor over you can wear a glass and wear your visor over them like so hopefully they'll find a happy medium but she's um, she was sent home from school now last Um, she took ill in school but started coughing in school on Monday Monday I think it was around 11 o'clock and we we, school phoned us asked us to bring her home Uh, she hasn't been in school now since, and she's still coughing
1: yeah so I suppose any cough or tickly throat or runny nose or any little complaint at all they're going to be sent home these days
15: if, if you're in if you're out shopping or whatever and somebody coughs Straight away, everybody looks at you now. Could have finished a cigarette before you came in and the last shot went down the wrong way and started to cough, but people actually look at you now. I'm not saying it's right to uh, um, believe all that you see on media, especially social media, you know, but what I am saying is that it is there and shouldn't be dismissed very easily.
1: Your wife and yourself have underlying conditions as well. Yeah,
15: my my wife is has COPD, and I I suffer from bronchitis. Um, so, like, we felt that when the schools opened up, that it was a kind of playing Russian roulette with with um, with our lives. Because now, the little girl in question, she washes her hands, she hurts to social distancing, and everything that goes with it. But the social distancing is going on in the classroom. But we'd drop her up to school there in the mornings, and they're all teenagers. They really are of an age of understanding. Possibly not fully, but they're from 13 years old upwards. And they're all over each other. Like, you know, we were in uh, Cork City there the other day, walking down Patrick Street. And um, there was boys and girls from school there. They were sitting down on benches, messing kicking each other and, you know, the horsing around as these kids are supposed to be doing. You know, they're only kids at the end of the day, but um, outside of the school and inside the playground at lunch breaks, going into school, i seen them with, with um, the school, our, goes, our granddaughter goes to now. They were in a V-shape, going in uh, about 15, 20 children, going in for one door. And we're basically shoulder to shoulder, like we're hooded together <laughs> going in. Masked going or unmasked. Um, some masked, some unmasked. You know, and there's no point in me social distancing the pub and coming out and standing with twenty people outside discussing the match from last night, and then going back in and sitting a metre away from somebody.
1: Yeah. Even if you do wear a mask. Okay, people point you do po- wear a mask. Point taken, PJ. So it's like rushing a roulette every time you send them out to school.
15: Well, With the situation at home, Uh, you know, and to say children are um, children are sent, you know, there's a proven case of COVID nineteen in a class. Children have been sent home. Um, None of the other class had had connection with that child. How could how could you uh, other children not have contact with that child? Our children hang around with about three to four people you know, and to try of distance best they can. I'm not making them out to be angels, but every duck thinks it's have the swan, you know, but um, uh, there's a bit of wisdom from the midlands
1: now. Uh, you know. <laughs> and you, you brought them up, you're bringing up the grandchildren yourself, are you? I get that impression.
15: Well, we are, yeah, myself and my, and my partner, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. and yeah. Um, you brought them up to follow the rules that society laid down, says your text. Uh. This is it, this is what we were brought
15: up to. We're both in our 50s now. We're both in our middle 50s. So that's what, that's what we were taught to do when we, when we were growing up. You know, follow the advice of a doctor or a guard. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if a guard tells you to go home, which I, I, I've i learned, if a guard tells you to go home, go. Because there's little Char-
1: Charlie Hockey had that one. In my day, if a guard told you to F off, you F'd off.
15: Oh, you F'd off, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember when I was a younger man, I was fighting outside a little, this little village up in up in um, County Leith. I was about seventeen or eighteen and Sergeant Kane was the man a good man, a good fair man, but he caught me surfing your man anyway and he picked the two of us up and he dragged us down by the side of the, the pub and he clumped our heads together. Huh. I can actually feel the pain in my head as I'm speaking to you right now. He clumped our heads together and the threat he left me with. The next time he caught me stepping out of line in his village he'd tell me another.
1: Oh. Proper guard. PJ, thanks thanks very much for your call today. That's great, Mick. Lovely Appreciate it. DSR, you too. Mate. Thanks a yeah, million. Some, te- some texts. On- you. Thank you. Bye. Some texts on 86 8104106 Who's this woman? I love her. There's a great manner about her. Uh, yes, great talking about it. Well done. That's B. Uh, and well done, Mick. Mick, this morning's was the best show in a while. It's great to hear an opposing view to which the rebuttal isn't just ad hominem attacks. Ha ha ha. Then just as I type this, a guy comes on saying these idiots stroke morons stroke far right lies. Another texture says I don't agree with these people, but it's good to have them on. No harm in questioning things, Mick. Typical, this guy can't come up with a reasonable agreement, but call people names and fools, etc. And one other one says I'm a frontline worker since March and I haven't met or heard of anyone with this COVID stroke flu.
0: The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red
7: FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 1850 104 106.
1: Coming up on 10 to 12, Jenny, our apologies you had to hold so long and thank you for holding, but you're here now.
9: I just wanted to give you a big congratulations to having the cojones to actually bring people on that have different opinions like compared to what the government are thinking. I just want to say a big congratulations to Red FM to what? be able to do Well, that that's
1: to down to the Neil Penteville Show production team. I just take whatever's fired at me, to be honest.
9: Brilliant, I love it. But I just wanted to say that it is very cruel what is happening to our elderly because they, there is going to be no investigation into the way this, the nursing home scandal was treated. Like, they, they took sick people and they put them into vulnerable um, elderly people in nursing homes and they took the nursing staff out of there. It just and and for Michal Martin to turn around and say that there will be no investigation into that. The HSC have no accountability. They have no one to answer to. This same uh, body had a cervical check crisis and a trolley crisis, and it was, had already had like h- however long waiting list. It now has one hundred and eighty thousand long waiting list of outpatient appointments and other things that are being cancelled. And it is ridiculous that this um, corrupt body, in my opinion, are giving all these rules and. Our politicians, if they were really afraid of this deadly virus, why do they all gather like golf games? Why do they all gather at this thing? It's one rule for me and another rule for me. And also the doll bar being opened. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. People just need to ask these questions and say, if this virus was as deadly as they're saying it is, why are our government officials doing these things? Why are they congregating in bars? Why are they going to these dinner, uh, golf dinner dances you know, if it was as deadly as, it, 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 as they say it is, the, the borders would be shut down, we'd be closed down. How is it okay for me to go into a packed supermarket or go to a cinema or go to a packed restaurant and have my dinner? Oh yeah, I have the mask and I'm six feet away. That's not going to stop you from getting a virus. It's okay for you to do all that, but it's not okay for you to have more than six people in your home. Mm-hmm. Like, people need to realise that... You
1: mentioned the nursing homes, Jenny. Do you have a particular case there? Do, do, do you know somebody who's been affected by my that? Mom,
9: my mom is in a nursing home. She is 58. She has early onset dementia. I, haven't, I didn't get to see her since March. I didn't see her for five months. And because of that, she doesn't remember me anymore. Wow. And I got to see her for a week and then I got to look her care tested positive. So it's been, she's in isolation for another two weeks.
1: So yeah, the the I nursing home situation know, in, in in this country, the nursing home situation, it's, it's in deep crisis now. Uh, because of this Do pandemic, you know, because there, of this pandemic, are, are, but it's been are, are, a long time in the making, Jenny. Nursing
9: home it, residents are being treated like prisoners. A lot of them would prefer to die of COVID than to die didn't be so alone, as alone as they are. They're so lonely, and you know loneliness will and like fear and anxiety. It'll take ten years off your life. Sweden recently done a study that showed it takes ten years off your life. Three months of lockdown it takes ten years off your life. Wow. mental health and everything and look at the economy each time our economy like our economy directly relates directly correlates with suicide rates and things like that like people once this COVID payment stops in April 2021 and once people have no other choice only to become compliant COVID compliance officers there is going to be civil war in this country and for people to come out and call anyone who questions the narrative or things like that far right conspiracy theorists they're, all they can do is name call they can't actually have a debate with you about facts they just name-call you. They call you far-right or conspiracy theorist. And it's not fair. We need to be able to speak up. We need to be able to uh, make GoFundMe for people like uh, Dr. Marcus De Bruin that come out and speak up about things. He's fighting for the people in the nursing home. Mm-hmm. Because he actually has a nursing home. It,
1: you know? it, it seems to me that the, the privatisation of the nursing home sector has been an ambition of successive governments. And, like, health policy in Ireland is not determined by the HSE. It's determined by the Department of Health. And if you, let's 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 look all the way back uh, and and what did these health ministers do for the nursing home sector except want to have it privatized without any due debate and consultation now I'm not for a moment uh giving out about the uh, staff of the nursing home oh, nursing homes God, that find themselves working under very difficult conditions but the plight of the residents and the staff together arises from a deeply defective policy I believe in that when you look at Mary Harney Minister for health Miall Martin Minister for health the Varankar, Minister for Health. I'm trying to get the chronology right. James Riley, Minister for Health. Simon Harris, Minister for Health. Uh, and the new guy, Donnelly, is not in a wet week, okay? Um, but they pursued a policy of privatization of the nursing home sector without any or very little debate and consultation with the main stakeholders that you need to train Medicare and, um, you know, um, training in nursing home medicine, infection control, palliative care. Um, okay, geriatric, um, yeah. medical yeah. practices, all that kind of thing. It's just been let, let, let's sideline that to the private sector. We'll give them huge tax breaks. That's not going to work.
9: Yeah. And it was also at the beginning of all this when they wouldn't give the PPE. They had no PPE for people going around two people's homes, stay home out.
1: Yeah, I want to bring Debbie in here because I'm, I'm, I'm tight on time. Stay with me, Jenny. Hi, Debbie.
10: Hi, how are you?
1: Hi. Uh, you know, you had a positive COVID test on Sunday.
10: I did. I did. I did. Um, along with my husband as well over the weekend. Um, so we contracted a from uh, a friend of ours who contracted from another relative all in the space of a couple of days. Like I missed Michael at the start there of the conversation. But I think the gist of what I got was that it's all a big kind of conspiracy theory. Like I'm, uh, uh, I'm a healthy 40 odd year old woman. Who, who goes out running, exercising on a regular basis, and I'm telling all the listeners now in Cork City, I'm living in Cork, that this is all around us. Um, it knocked me for six. Um, I didn't, the only symptom that I had out of the list of symptoms, which should get out into out get be aired as well, so that people know the only symptom I had was um, I had no taste and no smell. But the other symptoms that I did have is I, I was so weak, um, I felt like as if I was in an elderly person's body um and just absolutely thrown down and I'm still still trying to get over it um a week since I started getting symptoms since last thursday um so it's all around us it's spreading, and the reason why the government are out there doing what they're doing is to protect the elderly and protect the vulnerable in our society. If I hadn't gone for the test on Thursday morning, I would have been up getting the messages from my 79-year-old mother on Friday morning. But because I felt off and I didn't feel right, and then I found out that somebody who was a close contact to mine, became got a positive result wow. I went and got tested and did the right thing on the Friday and if I hadn't done that my mother would not have been able to fight this virus
1: okay uh, Jenny I'll She's say so thank you chief yeah. I can't have done time to come back to you, Jenny thank you very much debbie I'd love to speak to you in more detail about how you're feeling what you're doing uh would you be available in the morning maybe to speak to us on that because it's it's, it's, I, it's I think it's going to be informative I, to speak to someone who's had a positive test a week ago
4: I'm actually still trying to get
10: over it, so I'm actually very, still very weak. So I'm not really able to be mm-hmm.
1: talking for long. How, how are you hard. feeling now?
10: Still very weak, just, uh, just very, very weak and drained. I've lost about half a stone since, since I started showing symptoms, Um just pain, um, constant kind of pains in my head. Um, my husband has exactly the same symptoms as I do. Luckily our kids haven't got it, um, even though we're in the same house and so we're isolating now all, all week. Um, but I just want to get out there, guys, this is to the vulnerable and the old in our society. And this is a pandemic. It's not
1: make-believe. It's real. It's, it's not a scandemic or a pandemic. Pl- uh, you know, it's, a, it's a real yeah. pandemic.
10: And the government, are, I think, are trying to do the best to contain it.
1: And the virus um, is spreading.
10: And I think everyone needs to follow those guidelines. Otherwise, it will be the vulnerable and it will be the 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 elderly that will suffer. Okay, you Debbie, know, I Debbie will, well I, said. I'm getting better. I'm getting better every day and getting better. And I'll come out the other side of this. Um, but if I was an eight-year-old uh, woman, I really don't know how my body
1: would cope with it, you know, so... Debbie, will you come back to us when, when you feel, if you wish, when when you feel you're up to it? in a few days okay. and a few weeks we'd love to hear from you again okay. and the best of right, luck fighting that. the positive results. Okay. okay thanks Thank Demi
2: thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast don't forget to subscribe and check out
0: redextra.ie for more great Red FM content